Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Tuesday, July 14th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 326. I think so close. I'm your host. So close. I, I just I want, just be confident. Just be yeah. Confident. You want? Know let me. You know what? You know what? You're yeah. listening to Waypoint Radio episode 326. Nailed it. There we go. That's three, like that. It's 327. See confidence. Project <laughs> Robert Stack into the world. <laughs> it's 326 now. <laughs> it is. I'm your host Austin Walker. It was Waypoint Join. Radio, and it was 326. All, all 326. But actually, it was 327. <laughs> God, uh, I'm your host, Austin Walker. He lives with the voices of Ricardo Contreras, uh, Matt Galt, and Patrick Klepik. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, Matt. Thank you for having me. Always you can tell you can tell it's a special episode because Galt is here to to talk about a game that we've all Galt played. Galt is here. Galt is here. That's the <laughs> sequel to to Who Is John Galt. Galt is here. Well, whenever I see whenever I see in our internal Slack. And you know, Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Myrick does a, you know a lot of the editing of, of our pieces, and he'll just be writing, reading Galt, and just every time he says it, it's just like, <laughs> oh my god, sorry, you know, sorry, you don't Matt. know the pain. Well, in the pain of having grown up in the South, where like anyone who's read any kind of book, that's one of the books that they've read, and so sure, I've heard sure. that just my entire life. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I got, I got. Here's what I got. I got Stone Cold Steve Austin Walker. I got a lot of oh. Austin Powers. <laughs> Um, I got a lot of... Uh, All of that is much cooler, one. though. <laughs> Not when you're the kid. Oh, I got lots of... Uh, I got a lot of Stone Cold Steve Austin, comma, Walker, Texas Ranger. Is That was like that whole long thing would be what, what I would get, which... I know those are I like heroic characters, but it doesn't feel good. You're like, no, I'm just me. I didn't have anything. There was no riffs on my name, but I was always Doogie Howser, MD, because like that was really big oh, at the time when I was a kid. I, I can see just it. like mm-hmm. yeah, um, uh, the, the Neil Patrick there. Harris. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about Ghost of Tsushima today because the three of us played that. But this is gonna be a weird, weird show structure. So first half of the show, the four of us are gonna talk about Ghost. Second half of the show, Rob got hands-on time with. Assassin's is it hands-on time if it's in a cloud? If it's in a cloud, he got cloud <laughs> hands time, hand hand to cloud technology time with HTC. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> HTC, that's what HTC stands for, <laughs> hand to cloud. Uh, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, we, we, record, we pre-recorded that stuff last week um, because it was hands-on and because it was we were trying to sneak it in before Rob was going to be away a little bit this week. Um, uh, we are not going to do anything with this Ubisoft live show trailer thing. The, the, they're like, boy, what a waste of my time that was Uh, last night. Well, I told my wife you got to go to bed early and, uh, going to sit down and watch this Ubisoft thing. And I guess I could have just watched the, (laughs) I honestly, for me, it's just like, if you're interested in what that show looks like, you can go watch that. But I don't necessarily feel like we need to give up any more of our platform for stuff that we didn't even touch to, to talk about their trailers when, Especially when I have no confidence in Ubisoft's 
uh, leadership right now. The fact that they're take their they say that they're taking steps to address couldn't the record sexual a, like a thirty stuff. second video Dude. on your goddamn webcam and just yeah. be like, hey, the, <laughs> they, they put, put out, out a tweet. They put out a yes. tweet. Yes. To explain why they're not addressing anything that's going on when you could have just like Eve's like, you know, no one's expecting you to 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 sit here and then like lay, lay everything out. All well, the and, HR and changes. The reason but they to do like, that to speculate is because we know about that stuff. Yeah, no, of we're course, paying of close attention because it's our space. Uh, yeah. But there are lots of people who, who would have tuned into that event and have no idea about the fact that five or six Ubisoft executives, uh, along with other people throughout their, their chain, have resigned or been forced to resign or fi- or been fired or have chosen to resign in weird I, solidarity is the way I've seen it spoken, spoken mm-hmm. about um, uh, uh, because of sexual misconduct, bullying, harassment, and other, and other issues throughout the company, the enabling of those things. Um, and I, I, like, it's one thing for me to be like, Rob saw this. Rob saw these games with, with hand for, for hand or played these games. There was hands on time. There was an agreement to do preview coverage. All right, we can keep that in the show. We talk about those games. I, I, I don't necessarily think that if you listen to that conversation, it's a particularly positive conversation. Spoilers for later, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't feel really great about being like. And also, let's go beat by beat with their trailers, which are all just online anyway. So, yep. so, so yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'll say about that. Um, uh, that, that conversation again, the, the, the hands-on stuff will be at the end of the podcast. So, uh, that'll be, uh, we'll see how long this goes. Hopefully not, hopefully not last of us too long though, though shout outs to that, uh, double, double header, header spoiler cast. Uh, if you've skipped that, it seems like it's a really good conversation. So, so go enjoy that also. also yeah. I need to, I guess I'll need to go listen to the other two thirds that, um, I wasn't a part of. So fucking funny to me. It's so fucking funny to me. Oh, I got a hard out at three. At three. Yeah, just... no, man, look, of the right. people who had hard outs, Maddie was the only one to come back. Shout out to mm. Maddie Myers. Look, I'm, I'm, commi- I'm, committed to, I'm committed to my work-life balance, Otto. No, it's good. It's, it's good. it's good. It's oh, good. Good, good. <laughs> um, so, uh, what we are going to talk about in the first half of the show, without getting into any spoilers, actually, is or, or very limited spoilers, I guess, is Ghost of Tsushima, a game I keep wanting to call Ghosts of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> but it's that's not it. It's Ghost uh, because it's like it's like you become the ghost of of Tsushima. That's kind of the thing, uh, which is the latest game from Sucker Punch, uh, the kind of the, the dev behind the infamous series and some other stuff. Um, uh, it is a game that takes place in during the first Mongol invasion of Japan, uh, in which you play a kind of mid-level samurai lord. On one hand, you're a samurai lord, which means you're at the top of the food chain. But you're it doesn't also kind seem of like pr- doesn't seem like the mo- people afford you much respect. Like, <laughs> well, the, like I don't know. <laughs> people leave you gifts at an altar after you. Do no, 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 but I mean, but that's part of the hierarchy, the social hierarchy. Oh, yes, I'm just saying, saying, like other people, the like tone you get from other people is like, ah, yeah, you're you know. tier of people. You're at the you're at the at the bottom of the food chain of samurai, kind of. Yeah, you're like. You're not really an adult yet. You're kind of an adult. You're not. You're you're very much like just on the edges of high society in a weird way. Uh, and also, you're provincial. You're at like this shit end of the of the map of the world, basically. <laughs> so you're not like at the shogun's court. You are like a country. You know, just a regular low grade country samurai. <laughs> and the Mongols come knocking with cop powers. With oh, with lots of cop powers. I mean, this is this is one of the things we'll have to get into with this game. Uh, and the Mongols invade, and they they beat the shit out of your dudes. Um, uh, and then you were like the only the only survivor. You're one of two survivors of that initial conflict. Uh, uh, and the it's you, 
Yeah, it's one of those. You, the ghost. Uh, yeah, you, and then your uncle, who is who is like hot shit samurai lord of the entire region, and he gets kidnapped. Doctor Honor. Doctor Honor. His name is Doctor <laughs> Honor for sure. He is like the most. I, and we'll have to get into this too. He is the most like stereotypical. Well, what do samurai care about? They care about honor and dignity and, and look them in and the face. Hierarchy. Yeah, look them in the face. It is tropes the game, kind of, in a way. It super is, yeah. And, and I think that's probably a good place to start talking about our experiences with it. Um, uh, it's is just like, how did that stuff land for you? The, the fact that out, like, one of the first things out, the, out of the words of, uh, out of the mouth of one of these characters is just like, to be a samurai is to be honorable, to be courageous. Uh, uh, there are long diatribes about how, how samurai don't rule with fear, or don't, don't terror. Fight. Terror yeah. is not the weapon of a samurai. Yeah. Um, but it is one of your skill trees. Yeah. Uh-huh. It absolutely <laughs> yeah. is. Uh, and also, let's be clear, the samurai ruled with terror. Yeah. That is how they rule. <laughs> They're the ones with swords. That's terror. Um, it's a game filled with haiku. It's, it's a game filled with, like, to some degree, there's like a, it feels like there's a checklist of, like, what mm. is there about feudal uh, uh, it's samurai It's like culture. a word cloud. It's like samurai. Yes. And then, like, oh, we need one of these. Hot we springs. Need a little bit of that. Little haiku. We need a little bit of this uh, we gotta gotta cut some bamboo yeah we gotta get love that many collectible straw hats it's Japanese culture as experienced by like dudes watching Kurosawa movies right that's as, as, that's as, what as it minimized is. by a Kurosawa mode by a Kurosawa exactly. mode I mean, they, that I yeah. think is a disgrace is kind of a disgrace uh, and uh, and an insult <laughs> to the artists on this game. This game is beautiful. This game is, is incredibly yeah, sure. beautiful. I've played with the Kurosawa mode, which is a grayscale mode. Uh, maybe there's some, maybe there, and also the film grain. There's a little bit of film grain on it. <laughs> and it changes um, the, uh, it changes the audio track too. It like muffles it, it in a way. So it sounds it like it's an old, yeah. But one, I don't think there are a lot of great accessibility changes in terms of uh, stuff on the screen that needs to be in color for you to read it well. Um, but but two, like, yeah, how, like would, how would that work for? They're like specific quests that are like follow the blue flowers. No, nothing. <laughs> uh, at least as far as I saw. Um, two, that game is just gorgeous. That game is just the, the use of color. The use of color is more Kurosawa esque than that mode. Kurosawa made color films too, and he had, <laughs> yeah. and also yeah. even inside of his black and white films has an incredible use of color, right? We, we don't, it, it's not black and white are still colors. Yes, black and white are still colors. The understanding of, 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 uh, of contrast and the ways in which you shoot black and white is really, really, really hard. And he was it's very specific. good at it's, it. It's, like, it's what makes yes. like sort of the, some of the movement in like modern, like film releases to just like put out a black and white version is like, you can't just grayscale it. Like there right. is actual yes. work that needs to be done. I feel, I feel like Fury Road did that work. Like different ones have actually gone sure. and like you actually change the way the film is, is, you know, uh, the details of it in different. order to reflect uh, Exactly. It. Yeah. And there's a billion things that you have to do to make that work. Um, in any case, in any case, going back to the tropes thing that, that Matt had brought up, like maybe maybe that's how we start. How did that stuff hit hit y'all when you played this game of just like this grab bag of samurai catch all words? Well, it was it was interesting for me because I don't have like a ton of history other than pop culture references. Mm-hmm. So I'd still think this like in that often it feels that way still is that even for someone that doesn't have like a lengthy history or or, or has spent a lot of time with like uh studying this part of Japanese culture or watching a whole ton of Kurosawa films other than like the handful that I saw like in college and things like that. It still sort of does feel like, ah, here, like this is what you would expect from uh, sort of a samurai tale. I mean, I think a bunch of the performances are like pretty strong and help 
uh, string along even the the <laughs> sort of like tropey nature of it. And it's like yeah. interesting that like there's uh, a lot of tropes that, that then also go along with a lot of tropes of open world games. This is something we're going to time travel right here. There will be a yeah. point I make in the second half of this podcast in which the Assassin's Creed c- series seems to have recognized that it needs to change its formula and is trying to do that quietly without sort of like tipping the boat of all the fans that are, are playing. Whereas this game feels very much like it was developed as it was five or six years ago, and the open world part of it feels really old. Um, yeah. So you even kind of though, had both of the... Go ahead. Even though there are kind of a few things that they, they attempt to make it more interesting. Well, there's uh, really smart to sit... Like, the wind yeah. is both... They yes. turned a piece of... In, in, in Ghost of Tsushima, they're... Uh, the, I'm going to have to start catching myself. I don't even know if I was saying ghost or ghost now, but now you're going to trip me up every time I say it's it. It's called Tsushima. It's called ghost. Tsushima. Um, there's no mini well, map. <laughs> which is um, there is no mini map. Um, there's, and I didn't yeah. mess with it, but they also, halfway through a review period, they patched in like a more limited UI um, mm-hmm. as well that like strips down even. It's really there. nice. It's nice to just get rid yeah. of all that shit. Um, it didn't, specifically, it, oh, sorry, it didn't turn off this. as, but you, you go ahead, sorry. Yeah, let me just finish this point <laughs> and you can you can pick that up. It's just that the... Um, you know, the, the, sort of like the waypointing that occurs in a lot of these games where you have giant maps, and like how are you going to tell people to get around? You know, you're going to put giant arrows on the ground and the air. How are you going to distinguish that? And, you know, in this game, it's it's literally the wind. Like the wind brussels through the trees and the grass and the bushes. And they, they're like, all of it's working in concert. There are like big, like painterly sort of like swishes that appear on the screen to be, so like kind of bat you over the head of like that's where to go. But that only triggers when you set a waypoint or if you uh, like kind of swipe on the touchpad of the controller. Otherwise, you can just sort of like look look around you at this gorgeous environment and just kind of gently notice where the wind is going and you can be on your way. It's just like a, they turn like a piece of UI into art like in a way that's like, like it's a really beautiful touch that I you know, wish was reflected yeah, I was, in, in more parts of the game. I was so skeptical of that system when they showed it off in, in a trailer a few months ago. And it seemed so like, all right, uh, sure. It seemed like a gimmick. Um, it seemed like a gimmick, and it is gimmicky. Um, I, I, but it, but it's one of many gimmicks. This is a game built with with a lot of gimmicks towards a particular end, which I'm still not sure how I feel about what that end is. And that end is what we've already kind of hit on, which is the sam the kind of Western fan of samurai culture, samurai pop cultures take on samurai pop culture. Like that is the end. Uh, something a little more restrained, something a little quieter than most open world games. I, I find myself at a, at a double end here where on one hand, I'm even as someone who went through a serious samurai phase. And I will talk to you about that in a, in a bit. Probably <laughs> You did multiple I, times in our I met, private I, messages. I, I, yeah, game. private messages. I was like, the haiku wasn't invented yet. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> like, I get it. The katana wasn't invented yet. And they're like, it's the samurai. So and there were other types of long swords that, but the katana was not, the katana was partially invented in response to them. But the haiku was certainly not invented yet. And also these haiku fucking suck. This is not how good haiku are written, <laughs> um, which we'll talk about. I will go in on that. Um, but, but, so that's part of it. But the other half of me is in, in pursuit of this kind of stereotypical samurai vibe that they wanted to go for. They ended up at a, at an open world RPG where like, it's humorless. You could say humorless as an insult, but also what I really mean is, is quiet. 
N- there isn't someone cracking a joke every 30 seconds the way every other open world game feels. It doesn't feel like it's scared of of of, um, of dead air. Just letting you wander. Just letting you wander and be in that space. You know, it's not Breath of the Wild. I don't think that the world design is compelling in that in that way. But that part of it, I think, really ended up working for me almost in spite of the fact that what, what got them there was – Ah, Japan, a place of natural beauty and wonder. Ah, Japan, the place of honor and dignity. And like, that's, that's what was on their, their kind of like whiteboard, it feels. But in pursuit of that, they made something that feels more like Assassin's Creed 1, which is a game I have mm-hmm. a lot of weird fondness for, even though I know that that's, that in some ways it was kind of hostile to the player or empty or it didn't, people didn't love the repetitive nature of it. It's less, this is less repetitive than that is. And it also has a way better combat. So that, that helps it in a real way. Um, but it felt pretty unique in that way. Uh, Matt, I'm curious for you how that stuff lands. Uh, I also have, it's, it's been a while, but I was really into like anime and samurai movies and Kurosawa, uh, a a while ago. And so like watching it and playing this game, uh, was really like, oh, this is the hidden fortress mission mission. Oh, this is that stock character. And like, you feel like even in some of the, um, uh, uh, cosmetics of which there are quite a few, there's a lot of buried references to all the, all of the influences that are on this game. Um, but in there, this game is so odd to me because there's so much I really love about it. And there's Mm -hmm. so much about it that just makes me tired because it is in so many ways, like as, as beautiful as it is and as wonderful as the wind system is used to explore and as tight as the combat system is, it's still at the end of the day, I'm on a horse. I'm going yeah. between check marks. Um, that question mark. Here's yeah, another here's, to Hopefully capture. this one is worthwhile. Yep. Oops. Yeah. Like I'm going to cap, I'm going to capture all the bases so I can see all the maps so I can get all the question marks. Uh-huh. And then I'll oh, go on to the next this area. Is, this, let me follow this golden bird. Bird, why do you just keep ramming oh into God, this right. house over So that is the other, that is, oh, that is, so that's another. I should set this up. Which yeah, is, yeah, so, please, you set it up. Um, in, 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 in the map, um, you know, this game is very traditional for this type of open world game in which, uh, there, the two main markers on on this map are question marks for you to go to various landmarks that might be an upgrade for your character or um, a mission to find, um, and then there are like uh, you know like areas to save from the Mongol raiders, um, and those are your typical. Here's a fort. Go fight twenty five enemies, and then you get a skill point that you can apply to your to your skill tree. And um, one of the way the game tries to like kind of throw you off like the like hey i'm going here and the game wants to try and encourage you to well maybe like along the way go do something else is uh there uh there's these little golden birds and if you follow them they'll lead you to one of those question marks and i think the game uh wants it seems like in in design it's probably supposed to lead you to like these uh like saunas that like increase your health like these little things that you might mm-hmm. not find a little off the beaten path what i often found was that well i've Either I'd follow this golden bird and it just took me to the waypoint that I was going to anyway, which thanks. Um, Or specifically, there was a sequence where, and Austin and I both ran into this, where the bird, the birds have um, trouble uh, navigating the geometry of of the world. Like often they are just like especially especially towns, buildings. Yeah, if they have to like go low and go through a bunch of houses, they're constantly just ramming into them. And they'll they'll a lot of times work their way around it, but in this one specific instance in this um 
early uh, town area where like you'll, you'll uh, establish a forge that like lets you start building weapons and accessories so you can do this big climactic um, fight at the end of the first act of the game. Um, this bird just kept like was literally like, it looked like it was trying to get under the house and I you can climb under also, houses in this game and I so I was like cool right. I guess I'll go down here it's like oh here's like six supplies one of the generic um, currencies <laughs> no, you know, I was like okay fuck you bird like I'm not sure that was worth and, it and it would uh, it was from uh, 30, the, 30 yards away from the city from every direction that was the other thing it's just like that one bird is is patrolling that whole town to drag you in I, I, fi- I figured out I figured out what that bird is trying to get you to it's so mm-hmm. stupid um, it's in the blacksmith's house uh-huh. mm-hmm. in the rafters, there's a bandana. There's a bandana. Right. Yeah. And if you get that bandana, then that bird will go away. I had the exact <laughs> same experience. So I like, also had those same birds land on temple grounds, like in front of it. And I didn't realize you can climb some of those buildings until the third act. And at the very top of these huge, long temple, or huge temple things, these kind of towers in the temples would be a hat or a bandana. I was like, how'd they get up there? Who put who put that hat up there? No one else. I invented, my friend invented the grappling hook. No one else can climb to the top of buildings. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's actually a kind of a goofy part for a game that, as you mentioned, is otherwise like fairly grounded. And when it chooses to engage in like myth and lore is actually some of the, it's actually when like the tone that they're going for works pretty well. Like, so there are these occasions where you'll hear a story about a, like a really powerful bow or like a special sword technique that can quote unquote summon lightning and you'll go off on those. And that's like when the game's like sort of reserved nature is pulled back a bit and they'll um, like, you know, allow sort of like the myth that is being told to like invade the environment to a certain degree. And it's pretty cool. Um, but it's a little strange that like for a game that otherwise is like keeping its cool on that stuff <laughs> is also like, and also here's a, and also they don't have like uh, perks or anything, right? It's just cosmetic. Yeah, most of that stuff yeah. is just cosmetic. And I'll be honest, I, I liked playing dress-up a lot in this game. This is very much one of those games where I changed my outfit depending on where I was in the story. Like, all right, I'm so like, covering the my per- face. So like the, the different suits like that you can oh, wear have no, different no, perks, okay, but you, sorry, were, you were just doing it based on a... No, no, sorry, I just meant the masks and the hell. The, oh. the armor, in fact, I think is has one of the biggest mistakes you could make in a game like this, which is the first new armor you get, or one of the first two, the Traveler's Attire, has so all the armor has perks in this game. Um, th- those perks range, and and they are they they are they're kind of like story related. So one of the things that happens <laughs> one of, a lot the in first this one game you get you will never wear again. No, I'm the other way. Wait, like, yeah, the one that like it, the controller rumbles. Yes, yeah, I wore that, that all yeah, the time. Yeah. Too. So this, I'm getting there. Let me get there. Let me get there. Let okay. me get there. So you might get one that's like this is good for ranged combat, and it means that you can slow down time longer when you're doing your zoom in like concentration mode. It means you knock your arrows quicker. The first one that you get is called Traveler's Attire. And it expands the amount of map you that gets revealed as you move around by thirty to sixty. Or no, it's by by two or 30. two to three times. It's thirty percent. No, as, as, as you upgrade it, yeah, as, as like, the upgrade it. Um, and then at the top level, it also gives you yeah sixty yards or sixty feet of of area around you where if there's a collectible, it your controller will rumble. And so whenever I was going from point A to point B, I would be in that armor. I would get somewhere and then switch into whatever my best combat armor was. Then after a fight, I would switch back into the traveler's attire armor. And really for the first half of the game, 
I didn't feel challenged enough to ever have to turn take off the traveler's attire. It was only when I got start, started getting some of like the really cool armor towards the mid late game, um, which really gives you really great offensive abilities or really good stealth abilities. Um, that I that I I started actually taking off the traveler's attire. And for me, the thing is, if you're going to give me a, a in, a, in an open world game that's about finding stuff on a map and getting stuff cleared, and like that's the part of my brain that you're that you're jacking into. If you're going to give me a piece of armor that says, "Oh yeah," and uh, more of the map will be uncovered, I'm just gonna wear it all the time. That maybe that's just who I am as like that type of player. Because Patrick, it sounds like you never wore it. I don't want that goddamn controller to rumble all the time. I don't need these Mongol <laughs> artifacts. Not the artifacts. I'm good. So, dude, um, the only there thing are I have left banners. to get. That's the only thing I have left to get. So this is this we, is like where I'm at with this you fucking did the Mongol game. artifacts, dude. Like I'm all the, the Mongol because <laughs> at the end of the game, by the end of the game, you can direct Austin. the wind. You can direct the wind to dude whatever i like i had two beers i put on a show no and, i know well you also I, I, we should also point out you like said this game like whatever its faults like it the sort of like checklist nature of it like was yes. scratching a very particular itch for you I, at this particular moment at, which i think is true of a lot of open moment. world yes. games this right is, I, I, think, I like you have to understand i was fiending for an open world game in this mo- in this mode for two months to where i was i, I mentioned this before was like i went play i played fucking greedfall i try like it's like i need something to scratch this itch i need to i need to clear stuff off a map my world is on fire i need to like get order on my life right now which i think is part of the appeal of these games yes. where like i can think that um one of the appeal of like what ubisoft is kind of doing with assassin's creed other than like they have made some meaningful changes especially over the course of this generation but it is a little bit of like assassin's creed but x right like mm-hmm. now it's you know vikings now you know it, and yeah this I think is by all, de- by all intents and purposes the assassin's creed samurai game that people have wanted or ninja yeah 100 percent. they've been asking for and they've the like, an artwork over the over the years um yeah. i think they did like a didn't they do like a spin-off game? They did like a two D thing, maybe. Yes, they definitely yes. did yeah. a China one. True. I don't remember if they did a Japan one, but probably. Uh, um, but uh, I think there is a certain appeal to like I like this type of game, but this is like the setting that really does it yep. for me. And I think for all the faults I have with Ghost of Tsushima, I think there are going to be people who say, "Yeah, okay, yes, I I agree, I agree, I agree." But also like this is my jam, like, and I'm okay just going around this world checklisting in this particular type of world. Well, it's so yeah, weird for me. Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. There's nothing. There's it. nothing like egregiously wrong with this game. Like no. I, I think it's easy to. It's a pretty good fine yeah. one of those. Yeah, ex- exactly. There's no. Um, despite all of its weird flaws and the tropey nature of uh, uh, of its story, and the fact that it kind of teases you with mystical elements at the beginning that it doesn't really pay <laughs> off on. Um, <laughs> it's still all. it's still fun and good to play, and the combat is pretty. Dang good. Most yeah, of the time. I, 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 let's, let's talk about the combat and then I'll get into my long divergence. I think I was really surprised by how much I liked fighting in this game. I've never liked the way a Sucker Punch game has felt. Uh, like, I'm not an infamous person. I like the world. I've always been like, oh, this world seems interesting. Uh, 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 let me pause really quick and actually say one of the reasons I was so skeptical coming into this game was Infamous Second Son, which is a game I don't think is particularly good. Mm-hmm. And also... That was the is launch one for PS4, for PS, right? For PS4, and also is the one in which, like, multiple uh, uh, Native American characters are fucking voiced by white... Troy Baker gets mm. to be a Native American Ooh. dude. Hey, uh, he's just the man in the arena. Oh, yeah, he's just the man <laughs> in the arena. You know what I mean? He's but just which out- man? Yeah, uh-huh. God, the one in fucking brown face. Um, <sighs> it's... It's that shit sucks, and and frankly, I was I was shocked to look at the credits of this and see majority Asian uh, and Asian descended uh, uh, voice actors. Glad to glad to see in, it in the English language in track, the English not, language you know, version. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Also, did they fix that bug? 
Does anyone well, so know? I don't, I don't, I can't tell if this is a bug or not. So, and uh, so maybe this will have been patched. Maybe this um, will be addressed. Maybe I'm just wrong. But so you weren't one the only one to say this on, to me. So, huh? You weren't the only. Uh, uh, Alex also. Oh, Alex first, okay. Yeah, we had a chat about that. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, but so you know, this game made a big. Uh, uh, you know, it's made or not made a big, but it's made a point to say, hey, like we're gonna uh, upfront. You know, do you want to have a Japanese language track? We put a lot of work into it, and it would make sense that even for. English language players, maybe you would want that for a quote unquote more authentic experience, um, which is very much in the spirit of a game that goes out of its way to put in a Kurosawa mode yeah. um, for, for better and worse. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I guess that makes sense. Like, I'll just do that uh, from the top. Mm-hmm. And I put it on and found myself like really put off from it because it it didn't appear that the uh, the 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 uh, uh, the dialogue was matching the voice track, and so it's like the animation on the characters did not seem to be matching the voices, uh, the, the audio that I was hearing. And my speculation was that oh, maybe it's just that's just the English, um, you know, animation, and it's just putting a a, a Japanese uh, language track over that, which would be like pretty disappointing. Um, I then reached out to some uh, folks that I know that work in voice act, and they're like, oh yeah, that's just. That's basically just how it goes. Um, I just, it struck me as a little strange that it didn't go the extra mile um, for something that would seem like pretty, you know, if you're putting it in a Kurosawa mode, it seems like you would also want the Something that they've been like touting and very proud of and talking up constantly in interviews and social media, right? Yeah. This is something they've they've said as a selling point of the game. But this is in line with me with the way they treated a lot of the Japanese stuff. And and, and here, let me me just go into this since we're here now. Um, A lot of the... So much of their treatment of these topics is superficial in the way that it feels a lot of young – I'm really just projecting here. In the way that when I was young, I thought I understood Japanese culture and samurai history and shit like that. I was this person, right? Like I was the person who was like reading the Hagakure and the the Book of Five Rings and the Eiji Yoshikawa uh, Musashi novelization and was, you know, playing tabletop role-playing games about samurai and learning about how high, uh, taking Japanese literature courses, taking Japanese history courses, taking Japanese, right? Hell like, yeah. I, I was we are always, going to a I very was, specific part is, of Austin uh, this history. This is like <laughs> f- four years of my life. Like seriously, was like getting into Zen Buddhism, was like very much like figuring out this part of, of, of oh, wow, this time in history is really interesting. The, the Planning your periods. first trip to Japan. Totally. And I never went, right? But I, was, I never had money to go. Um, but yes, very much. Planning my first trip to Japan. Um, the person who would correct you on when you thought samurai existed. Do you know what I mean? That sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. The difference the, between the Heian period. And you know what I mean? Like this is, uh-huh. I was the weird super fan um, in, in that way. And it was, a, and it, it's kind of a gross fandom. But I also, for me, I, I, I very much, this is kind of defensive in a sense, but I, but I, but I do align it with the same part of the same reason why I grew up loving anime and why I, I wrote a piece about Dragon Ball Z years ago and, and kind of black fandom around Dragon Ball Z and and around anime in general. This feeling of like, hey, this isn't from here. This isn't white culture. It's not. It ain't black culture necessarily. It wasn't made by black folks. I mean, increasingly, anime does have black people in in, in studios, and there is black anime, and that fucking rules. But at the time, it was just like, yo, this doesn't feel like everything around me that is enveloping me and and. All, I mean, not to say anime didn't have racism in it. <laughs> Mr. Popo is still a problem. Um, but <laughs> the the it still had that sense of, like, this is from a different space. And I do think as, like, a 19-year-old, part of my love of samurai culture in Japan was I want to have the joy of learning about a history 
but one that does not include my particular oppression in it. <laughs> um, right. In fact, it still had lots of particular and racist oppression in it. The rise of, of what becomes the Empire of Japan, of course, includes the oppression of marginalized people, including natives on the Japanese islands. Like the, the suppression of indigenous people on Japan is a very important part of that, of, of that place's history. You can't sleep on that. But what it means is I come into this game with both a deeper understanding of a lot of the things that show up that produces a lot of friction against the way it's they're, they're shown. And at the same time, I can look at this game like a mirror and feel like that's me at 18. That's me at 19 being like, ah, the haiku, a more, a more superb form of poetry in form and meaning. <laughs> but then I'm also the person who's like, and these haiku fucking suck. So, so for instance, the haiku, also the fact that the haiku exists basically as a collectible. All of this stuff exists and it's cool that it exists in a sense, but it's all reduced down in this game to being one of 17, right? Oh, I found out. I found it can't one just, of the 18. It can't just exist it can't to complement yes. the world. It has to exist it has to, to give you a health bonus or a resolve bonus. What the player is doing. There must be like an active... It has to be part of the power fantasy, right? Right. It's like, it feels like someone said, cool, we want to include haiku. And or even, someone even said, the just justify its inclusion. The myths explain, are even like this. Explain how the, how the haiku works All right, very so, quickly. So the haiku are these... There's places you can travel to. Also, there's a funny story here for me. There's a, there, there are, there are uh, these little like, um, uh, like pads that you can sit on out in these beautiful places in nature where the camera will... Uh, cut to a kind of a, a preset camera spot when you sit down at one, and it'll give you a, a prompt. A prompt will appear on screen, and the prompt will be like, um, reflect on honor, reflect on loss, reflect on death. And then you'll get uh, a series of three different shots of this area um, that are all beautifully composed. Again, this kind of restrained, quiet beauty of of wild Japan, of of feudal Japan, ancient Japan. It's not ancient, it's feudal. Um, uh, and across, around though, that, those kind of landscapes, there'll be three different interacti- interaction points, and each one will offer one line for your haiku. Um, uh, and you can pick one of those, and then you get another shot, and on that next shot, there is another set of three potential lines. And so you're doing your, like, here's five, seven, five, uh, uh, one line is five syllables, the next one is seven syllables, the third one is five syllables. Haiku don't actually use syllables, they use a different thing, it's, but anyway. Um, and when you finish the poem, your character reads the, the poem, and then you get a little resolve boost. I think it's resolve, or is it... You get a bandana. You get a bandana, you get a, you get a, you a bandana? cosmetic. Right. That one's just a bandana, the hot springs It's literally is, just a cosmetic, nope, it's, just it's a, like, yeah. in, it's no perk, it's just, right, but also, nope. hey, when you look it up in your inventory, that, that the haiku, haiku you wrote is, is attached to it. It is never repeated anywhere in the main world, but don't worry, if you go into your <laughs> interface and dig on through, you can you see can that see haiku. You can see the haiku that you... And, at the highest level, I think this system is neat. I think the idea yes. of like sit in nature, reflect on this thing, write a poem about it is a thing I would love to see in more video games. Um, and and I, I, you know, I like the style of kind of meaningless choice making because it's it's not really meaningless. It's just player expressive. I like expressivity mm-hmm. and I like the ability to get people to think, hey, what's a, what's what are some thoughts on death? One, I think these haiku don't fit the mold of what haiku are supposed to do. Um, haiku should be about a, this is again, very particular to my expertise, my (laughs) fake expertise. Haiku should be haiku of this era. Modern haiku are different. Haiku of this era are snapshots. They're, they're literally like, they're like lyrical. Also haiku of this era didn't exist at the time. Renga was the high form of poetry, but when haiku exists in Japanese 
feudal uh, culture, they exist as snapshots. You, you, you frame a moment in time. There's a turn in the poem. And the turn uh, – and also some like kind of coded language around certain terms reflecting certain things – uh, gives you a feeling about a certain thing. So yes, you could read a haiku about loss, but that, that haiku about loss should be just a kind of a snapshot of a sequence in nature or someone walking somewhere or a, a thing that just happens. These poems are filled with like, the samurai felt strength in their hearts, you know, <laughs> like, or I must be it, it's, courageous. It's, like it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not as though, um, it's not like it's, there's a big character turn or a big like personal moment for the, the player. And then, Hey, one of the ways you're going to reflect on this is to sit down and like, think <sighs> like to go think through it and like write something about that experience. It is just like, I, he, it's, look at that. It's mad. Look libs. at that beautiful ocean. It's mad libs and it's, it's mad bad libs. mad libs because they didn't yeah. even get someone who, I don't know what the process was for writing these. Um, but as someone who, knows a good haiku when I hear one. I think there was maybe one or two in this set of 20. Um, it, it just doesn't produce them right. And on top of that, the haiku didn't exist yet. The popular form <laughs> of poem at the time was a collaborative poem from which the haiku descends. The 575 thing was a thing where like you would do 575, then another poet would show up and build it was like it was like an exquisite corpse, basically, but you know, 900 years before the surrealists invented exquisite corpse. Um, and, and that would have actually been so dope to include in this game if you went, if you went to these places and you read the first two stanzas of a poem that was already there and you picked it up and then the players get to leave going, wow, I learned something new about this period of Japanese culture. But that's not what the game is here for. The game knows you took high school English and in high school English, you learned about the haiku. And that means that that's the, that's the touchstone it's going to use. And so throughout this entire game, that's the treatment that this culture gets. It is like well, also, you know, I, I saw like there was an excerpt from uh, an interview in which uh, someone asked about the actual geometry <sighs> yes. of Tsushima, and like, oh, like you know, did you like you know look at all? I forget the question, but you know, it was along the lines like, you know, how did you model this out? Like, how accurate to, to history is it? And they said, well, sort of, just like kind of our favorite parts, and also some of the surrounding island. Like, it was just like it's. It was like, ah, I don't know. Like, we called it Tsushima. Right. And it's maybe got some some touchstones from what we looked up, but that the idea that it was going... And, and you it's understand like mini, how you arrive like, at like that Epcot point? It's like Japan. It's like, hey, yeah. here's every biome on Japan on this little island, which is not the case for real Tsushima. And it makes me wonder, why not just invent a place? Why not do what Sekiro did and say, ah, yes, this is the era of Japan it is. We're in a province that doesn't really exist. A different you can have haikus form. and just hand wave it away. You know what I mean? You like just say one, yeah. And, and I know it sounds like I'm getting you know on a high horse about the haiku shit, but I but I think it's emblematic of the way it treats all of this stuff in a very superficial like poster way. Like ah oh, well, yes, I love Japanese culture, um, even though you you you're not actually serving that stuff well. And more importantly, it means you're not digging into some of the resonant themes you're almost touching on. This game almost touches on so much shit, like. All the, and there, there were times in the game where I'm like, does it does it understand that this is actually a really great critique of the samurai cast? And I don't know if it does. It's a very confused game <laughs> about its hierarchies. It's a very confused game about the notion of revenge. Sometimes revenge is really bad and it will corrupt your soul. And other times it's a freeing experience that you should pursue at any cost. And sometimes being honorable is really the, the best the best road for all of us. And other times you really got to think about whether or not you're willing to use drones. Like not literally, but that's that's like one of the one of the underlying things that happens is very much a sort of the sort of discourse around, but drones can protect our people. Um, and yeah, I don't know that it, it, I don't know that it has unpacked 
a lot of what the subtexts are in this game. So much of while I was playing it, I, I was thinking like, wait, are we having a critique of just war theory right now? Is that what's <laughs> right, going on? Right. And then like it doesn't ever it just doesn't ever follow through on any of it at all. And that's like as I and I kept pushing myself through the game thinking like, OK, we're going to get these resolutions. And uh, there's moments in act three when you start finishing the side quests for your character or for your mm -hmm. companions. And I started to realize kind of like what they were going for and how things were going to be playing out. And I started to get really sad and disappointed. Yeah. Not, too. not because those resolutions weren't necessarily interesting or, or, but just, they, it was just very much like I just sat through another bad samurai movie. There's a, there's a, there's a character that you meet early on. You guys can try and vaguely answer this for me, who a part of their arc is that they're sort of like a reluctant participant in, uh, your effort to sort of like free Tsushima and, um, over and over, like throughout the course of the first act, like even as you accomplish certain things, are like I still want to leave. Like fuck your people. Like I want nothing to do yeah. here. And my impulse is like, well, I think I know where this arc is going by the end of the game. Does it go where you think it would go? I think it does. Or is this is the character? Okay. This is like the first character you meet. The character who yeah. yeah 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 yes. yeah 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 yes. totally it absolutely. Uh, and, it, and and it goes there in an artless way mostly. Yes, mm. I think there's one. I think there's one moment that kind of sticks out, but beyond that, there is just it is it is. Uh, like beat by beat. Um, earlier, I said this game was humorless. I, I'll say it's also kind of passionless. Um, I, I rarely. I, it's not entirely true. I think the characters that they want you to believe that there is like charismatic or sexual tension between have none. Uh, but there is. Let me tell you about my boy Riozo. <laughs> Uh, you meet a dude in the first act who is like the the head of a bunch of Ronin, like a Ronin mercenary clan, basically, um, um, which are kind of like masterless samurai, but also in that mix are very the straw. That's how you get like the straw the, hat. The straw hat. Um, the, the, they're called the straw hat mercenaries. Uh, and Ryozo was like your childhood best friend who wanted to become a samurai, wanted to like wanted to like make it, and think sometimes go, don't go the way you want. And there are some sequences with him throughout the game that are really strong, especially mm -hmm. in the first and second act. Um, there's a, oh, th yeah, there's some really good stuff uh, in the first act with him in particular. That I was like, if this is where this game is going to yeah. spend its time, I fuck my uncle. Like, I'm way more interested in it because I feel like the dynamic between those two <laughs> characters could serve all the themes that they're trying to do yes. with the uncle that I find far less interesting. Um and, you know, I haven't played past the, the first act, which is about, you know, 10, 12 hours. But um, it sounds like it's not nearly as satisfying as I was hoping necessarily it, it, i mean the, the core tension between these characters is they're they're old best friends and one of them is a is a, one of them was born in, into the samurai cast um and one of them was not but was around was from the same village i think and they were buds and they're both competent warriors they're both competent tacticians um and one of them is trying to take care of his people and the other one is a samurai lord and is being taken care of by the people in a real way um, and that tension is so good and that tension feels like the game is the most honest about the core, the kind of core ideas that are motivating the main character. The main character, I mean, this is the other thing about this game when I say like, I, I'm, I'm actually probably holder on it despite being a, a completionist with it because thematically, I think this is a game that thinks noblesse oblige is real. That like, yes. ah, yes, the nobles 100%. who are born into this world who get access to the to better education and cooler swords have a responsibility to take care of the lesser people. That and is he's like very condescending repeatedly to all the time, all the time to to the peasant class constantly. Even when they constantly. clearly know what the fuck they're talking about. There's a very <laughs> early side quest 
that's a great illustration of this. It's very funny. In which he wanders into, and this is a tiny side quest. Like, there's no main characters in, involved in this, so I don't, I don't mind spoiling it. It's, it's early Act One. They, he wanders into a farm, uh, and some peasant women are like, "Oh, Lord Sakai, uh, you know, you, you, you must know our Lord so and so, our samurai Lord." And and uh, uh, he's like, "Uh, n- no, take me to." Is there another survivor from that from the fight? And they're like, yeah, come through, I guess. And you go and meet this dude, and he's very clearly a peasant who found samurai armor and the daisho, <laughs> the katana, and the, the, the small sword. Um, and uh, he's clearly faking it. He's not really a samurai. And he's like, ah, yes, I just need to go for a quick errand. I, I'll be right back, <laughs> Jin, and bounces. And you, tra- you like, track him down. And there's, like, there's actually a funny comedy beat here that I won't spoil. Oh, yeah, yes, these, yes. I won't spoil. Which, which, it's I a think very we should, good beat. Uh, um, but yeah. then you come back and and you're like, that was no that was no samurai lord. And the peasants are like, yeah, dog, we yeah, of course he was not a samurai lord. Like, but he hung out with us. He's kind of a goofball. We kind of liked him, and and he scared some bandits away sometimes. And that's like this great moment of Jin being very patronizing to these people, um, mm-hmm. and not thinking he's constantly thinking that the the people who are not who have not had his particular experiences must not understand how the world works when the opposite is really true. But then the game doesn't ever really do anything with that. No, because he, he, he doesn't change and his attitude does towards people doesn't change no. and he keeps treating them the same way throughout the rest yes. of the game. Yes. And, 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 and he's also seem to do it. inconsistent. Go ahead. Um, well, to speak to that, the inconsistency is like the game sets up very early on this whole idea that, oh, um, what Lord Sakai is going to have to do is, you know, he's going to have to engage in non-samurai tactics in order to save his people. And, um, you know, one of the early examples of that is like hiding behind a bush and stabbing a dude in the neck, like basically introducing assassination techniques into the game. Um, and like, oh no, like, you know, what your uncle says is that, you know, you need to face, face a man and you need to tell him you're going to kill him before you, you kill him. And so it's like setting up early on, like this is going to be like thematically really important to the story, this main character. Um, you would then think, oh, that's probably going to be a through line. Like at the moment you start this game, you open up the inventory and look through the menus. Like there's lots of skill trees. There's lots of things you're going to be upgrading. And the initial thought is, oh, like maybe that's going to be part of this is, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of, they'll structure like perk bonuses in a certain way where it's like, look, if you choose to go the, the noble route, which is, hey, when you're going to go invade a fort, you don't like slink around the side. You don't hide in the bushes. You engage in one of the games like cool. I one of the cool ideas the game has is called standoff, which is that when you see a group of soldiers, um, you may not see them actually. The game will see them and it'll say standoff at the bottom, and you'll hit huh? up on what? the D pad. Yeah. But basically, what that does is like you walk up to them, like you assert yourself, and you say, "Like come at me, bro," and you like hold X. And then release it at a certain time when, like, they're going to attack you, and it's a one-hit kill. And you can upgrade that so you can take out, like, I think Austin needs to like up to, five, up to five enemies, by the end game. which it's means you can take out nearly rules. a whole squad yeah. and, um, during a cutscene <laughs> sequence where you're not even engaging in like sort of like the main combat. But like, that's interesting. If like you, if, if you could go down that whole path that is like one, a thematic framing, and two, is reflected in sort of like the player's um, actual play style. Um, and then the other would be, oh, actually, like, fuck that. What's actually important is saving the people, saving our land, like, finding a way through this, and then we'll we'll worry about honor later yeah. um, instead of having everyone in shackles. Um, and that maybe that would be reflected in the, the, the player character. And it just seems like it, it doesn't seem like from what you're, both of you were saying, it doesn't really go there character-wise. No, and you play this, this game, is also a game you- where, don't worry, it, it, it communicates very early. 
you are going to upgrade everything oh, in this yeah. game. And don't you worry <laughs> about it. it. Like whatever you want, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. We're selling upgrades yeah. all around here. Like you don't have to pick. You can just have whatever you want. You could play this entire game without going into stealth except once on your own choice, except for when they make you do it. And yeah. all of the turns, all of the twists around being a dishonorable, you know, uh, excuse of a samurai would still hit. They'd still make you walk that path. Even if you walked into every Mongol base and was like, yo, come fight me. I'm doing this the <laughs> right way. You square up. We'll take this outside. Like that would still at the at, at certain key points of the game, your character would still be like, you know, honor doesn't have a place in this moment. You know, the, the Mongols don't deserve right. honor. And it's like, no, but I've been playing such that they do. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Um, was- and that's. It's disappointing because the game leads you to believe that there are going to be those narrative changes and based on like what you do mechanically. But it you you by the end of I'd say act like about halfway through act two, you start to realize that oh, there's not. There's not. I'm yeah. just gonna get pushed down. They're telling a specific story and they're pushing me down that path, regardless and, and of how I play. And sometimes they're going to want me to be in honorable mode and where I'm gonna do a duel one-on-one and for some reason decide not to use my ninja weapons. Uh, yeah, but those duels are great. I'm glad they don't like you. Use me too, hundred like, percent. Oh, the duels in this game are the, the sometimes. So we didn't even talk about the fighting much at all. But the the way the combat works in this game is that it is that kind of like Arkham City style third person. Hit a button to counter. Hit a button to do regular attack. Hit a button to do heavy attack. Um, uh, and then and then you have all these gadgets, basically, right? So you start. No, off but let's with, say, like give the game a little bit more credit. Like yeah, it has. You're right. Um, you are uh, over time. Uh, you are unlocking different stances. You're and right. So let's say you you have like a there are a lot of like basic enemy types like a shield type, a sword type, um, a spear type, um, a big, you know, big guy, armor, big guy, uh, big, big armor guy, classic uh, video the, game. Oh, the big the big boy, the big uh, with boy, the, like a um, axes or mallets or whatever. Yeah, and you can fight all of those in your standard like stance, like that you start the game with, and you know that is uh, sort of effective against swords. Um, but then over time, you're unlocking like one that's more effective against like a a spear character, which means like if you hold triangle, you can. You could oh, you wind up your foot that and kick them in the rule. face. That kick It's rules. great. It's huge knockback, and there's an upgrade for it that knocks them down. If they're knocked mm-hmm. down, you can run up and just hit square to instant kill them. Uh, so uh, there's just – you're you, – this system rules. Like this combat is one of the best versions of this combat that I've felt in one of these open world especially games. Especially relative to open world games And especially where there's no character lock on. You and I both had that same experience at the beginning of this I game. I hated it in the first hour. The I was first, like, well, this game's bullshit. <laughs> time to turn it off. You can't lock onto characters. Your character does a soft lock on, but the camera will not rotate. So sometimes you're locked onto a character who's like – in front behind the camera. You know what I mean? Like your character is locked yeah. on facing the screen and you're like, bro, please turn the camera around. If there's a guy with an ax coming at me, um, but you get used to it eventually. And that the flow between the different stances, the way the different stances are better at breaking through armor. Um, because it, it does have an armor. It does have like a posture system like Sekiro mm-hmm. or something where you're trying to, but only for the enemies. Like you can yes, spam you can, your weapons and it's not going to stop you, yeah, but yeah, there yeah. are, like you're constantly like part of the reason to switch stances is because you can you'll be able to inflict stamina damage that when you're dealing with like seven enemies at once it's like hey you're gonna want to like burn stop. through you these not, guys yeah yeah and um, it also, also slows down combat just a little bit between while you're switching stances which yes, can help give you correct. kind of a breather while you're yes yeah, totally changing. and it feels good it feels dope to be like I'm in my shield stance I deal with these three shield guys and then a big guy's running at me and I'm gonna switch over to my big guy stance and like or just throw the smoke bomb right? and just, or just have everyone in the neck or just the assassins. Style, throw your smoke bomb and hit chain assassinate because that's 
in this game also. Or oh, do they it. have a chain one too? Oh yeah, dude. Eventually you're just like oh. smoke bomb triangle, <laughs> dead, dead, dead. Three of those in a row. See, because what happens before you have that is you you'll throw the smoke bomb down and everyone's going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then you like one of the upgrade paths is to you can upgrade your sword to make it more deadly. And then you can upgrade, like, your knives to make assassinations faster. Yeah. So what happens is, like, you'll throw these smoke bombs, and then just this really slow assassination sequence plays out where you're just like, hey, we could be do- we could be stabbing this next little bit faster, <laughs> but you haven't upgraded it yet, so you can't. Not well, you, sure gotta, the, the, like, the, you have to hamstring the guy first, then stab him in the head. You upgrade the weapon, you can just stab him in the head. You just stab him in the head. That literally is what happens. You just <laughs> yeah. do the new oh. and then that's it. You got him. Um, that's funny. Uh, by the end of this game, your upgrades are just... This is one of my problems with the with the game's length. Actually, is the the second act is great because it adds. Yes. There's this great combat system. We didn't even talk about like the ghost weapons, but like you said, there's smoke bombs and there's kunai, the kind of throwing knives, and there is you know a sticky bomb, which is really fun. It's all about crowd control. Like yes, it's just like that's various exactly right. crowd control. Yeah. Um, like you're gonna the game is constantly throwing mobs at you, and it's like. Hey, there are three guys coming. Throw a sticky bomb, and it's like cool. I'll get to I'll you. I'll get in to a you minute. in a second. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the set at the end of the first act, you end up like literally in the big final fight. There are new uh, enemy types, and I was like, oh shit, cool. They're gonna throw these in the mix because these are a little bit tougher to fight. And then Act Two is all those enemies. They replace the enemies from Act One with a second tier of enemies that are really tough. Uh, or at least tougher based on where your power level is. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the third act, and I, they, I think that they replaced them again, but it, they you don't even feel – they have like full helmets on and stuff now, right? Yeah, yeah. You like, get, it's much harder to headshot people with uh, the bow But by the third arrow. act, you're a god. Like yeah. you just – again, I was doing standoffs with killing five people at once. There's a whole other stance that we can't talk about yet yeah. that makes you very powerful and yes. very good. Uh, and it, it, it kind of – it's one of the coolest things in the game. So I will not – I will explicitly not spoil it beyond saying there is a fifth stance. Um, and that whole act is just like so – such a slog because you're so strong that there isn't any – there isn't a challenge left including through the final – fights of the game, but you are completely drained of tension. Um, and that act is like six hours too short or six hours too long. It's like either you needed to end that game very quickly and maybe have this area as a post-game cleanup zone, or give me another six hours of actual character development and actually keep digging into this stuff because what's there felt like rushed by the time you get to the very end. You're like, whoa, whoa, this is happening? This is really happening? It didn't even warn me that this mission was going to be a long one. Like, the end of Act 1 or Act 2 has a secret. Two. Like, it's at end of Act 2. It's like, all right, buckle up. Things are about you're gonna to be playing. Loose. You're going to be playing for two or three hours here, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> and then the final mission of the game is like, it sneaks up on you and then it's done. Uh, and that is just like... A lot of that comes down to the fact that their power curve ends up being broken and you just get all of the, the again, all of the good friction just completely drained from the game, if that makes sense. Um, in any case, the combat is really good. Uh, and it you'll hear me later in this episode when we're talking about Valhalla. It, it's probably it was it was really interesting to see the Valhalla stuff because seeing that kind of cartoonish take on it really mm-hmm. made me appreciate the smoothness and the like almost simplicity of the combat here. It knows the thing it wants to do and it does that thing and it does it really well. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's um, the, the interface is deceiving in that I think if you were to watch videos or screenshots of the interface specifically, yeah. it would give you the impression of a 
not that there isn't um, depth to the combat, but a complexity that would seem overwhelming. But the way it's paced out to you, once you understand like what you're actually changing, it's really you're just doing the the same thing and switching stances. And it's there's a there's uh you know it's it's a an iteration on the Arkham stuff that I appreciate, which is like I like that style of bouncing between mm-hmm. things, but I like also that I, I'm given a little more freedom to switch between the stances. They just make even a normal set of like mobbed enemies, like a little more interesting to fight for the, you know, umpteenth time. You know what it made me, you know what it reminded me of is Bushido Blade? Sure. Kind of. And yeah. it's been a well, long the, time since I've had a played a, any kind of combat system that felt like that, but it, it feels, even though you're, you're, you have all these tools and you're dealing with all these different enemies, everything feels very deliberate. And you always felt in control. Yeah. And a lot of like, uh, I think like the open world Mad Max and in some some of the Arkham games and like uh, Shadow War as well, that kind of bouncing a bit around, I always feel a little bit like I'm out of control. Like I'm not yeah. quite sure what I'm doing. But in Ghost, I always felt like I was in complete control of Jin Sakai. And there's these amazing moments when you'll go into a base, you'll do, uh, you know, you'll call everybody out, you'll cut five guys down, and then you'll one hit kill all the other mobs that are coming after you. And you look around and everybody's dead and you're like, I, you feel like a badass. Yeah. Like you feel like you just completely wrecked the game in a good way, in a fun way. Yeah, and it was it, because you knew how to play. That's right? exactly it. I think the part of the, the problem with that third act is it stopped feeling like it was because I, I knew how to play and started feeling like it was just because I was I was basically playing with the junior varsity team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, yeah Jordan's going to dunk on your high school JV team, you know, and you're the Michael Jordan of cutting necks by the end of that game. Yeah. Uh, they give you, <laughs> including you inventing <laughs> personal personal problems. Kato, I'd like That's you to mark the, down yep. that as the title <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> God, um, and and it's yeah. So that's like high level. That's kind of what it is. Like I think it's a confused game thematically. I, I don't know that the writing is super good. It's frustrating how often the either how superficial the Japanese culture stuff is, or how how much it. We didn't talk about like the myths. There are myths in this game where you you kind of walk to a wandering song singer, like storyteller guy. Uh, and he'll be like, ah, did you have you heard about uh, Tadayori and how Tadayori saved people from the pirates with his godly armor? And it does this incredible, like, you know, not incredible. This is like neat treatment of of like Japanese brushwork becoming kind of a motion comic to explain this ancient myth. But the thing about ancient myths is like they get to be ancient myths. But in this game, it's an ancient myth that ends with like, but then his armor was lost. And you could find it, perhaps, Lord Sakai, and wear it and save the people. And it's like, well, now it's... At the end of that quest, they'll be like, yeah, actually, it's underneath. It's underneath. It's this, in the ground it's right, right here. There. It's like, underneath it's, no, it's, Yeah. Yeah, I know those guys are looking for it. I told them it was in the cave. But actually, it's it's, this, if you just, just dig, dig right, right here, here you'll just find dig right it. right here. It's like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And that really drains a lot of... When you realize you're talking to Olmec, it drains a lot of... <laughs> The, the kind of fantasy vibe from those stories. Though, again, the first one of those kicked ass. The first one I did was the was the sword strike one. And yeah, that has an incredible duel at the end. The entire, there's like an entire like um, uh, journey to where this duel takes place. And they change the environment in really cool ways associated with what the myth around this special t- sword technique is. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's cinematic in the, 
in the way that's not very Kurosawa, that's actually very Hollywood, that's mm-hmm. very, like, big-budget, contemporary samurai film versus, uh, you know, restrained, good, sh- smart filmmaking, and it's still whipped ass, uh, and I'm fine saying that, but it is, but know that that's what it is, right? This whole game has that thing, right? That This whole game has that feeling of how do we, how do we sneak in as many of the references to Japanese samurai culture that you'll know? How do we hit all of the power fantasies around being a badass ninja slash samurai because you get to be both? We're not going to restrain ourselves on a specific uh, actual like build. We're just going to let you, you do just whatever, do whatever you, want. you want. There's the one place we're not going to be restrained. The power fantasy is is turn into 11. <laughs> um, uh, and, and if you know that stuff going in, I think you'll have an, an all right time. Um, but, but uh, you know... Uh, don't expect don't expect a great you know meditation on the the samurai cast. Don't expect them to confront the fact that throughout the entire game you're basically fighting on behalf of a system that oppresses the people that you. And occasionally, the, the people like that's the that's the kind of the frustrating bit uh, about the game. Both of you, I think, mentioned like at various points where the game seems to tease that it's like has like a. Or, or is going to more thoroughly explore some of the ideas or criticisms mm-hmm. that it might be playing with. And like, there are like these moments where you feel the people like pushing back on you, where like they illustrate, like, ah, like I can see how this is like, yeah, you know, this I could see how this could pay off later. And like, man, Lord Sakai and his ilk are they're gonna fucking no, get but, it. But the end um, of it, he feels uh, like, and again, this is not particular spoilers, but this is his, this is just again, the, the sort of the, the kind of ideology of the camera, if that makes sense, is. Well, there are some good peasants. There are some peasants who are above their station. Some peasants are better at, at just the world, and we should elevate those ones. We should bring those ones into our circle. We should trust them. You know, we got to look out for the good ones. Uh, the rest of them uh, can give me gifts and fuck off. And our I'll children, defend them. basically. Or, or, right, our children. That's exactly right. They're, they're lower than me, and I, I have a responsibility to protect them. Uh, even though, also, one of my favorite really small things in this game is there's lots of crafting in this game and, like, upgrading your stuff. And to do that... supplies. Yeah, to do that, you're getting supplies, which is a kind of a fun, genericized money system. There's no <laughs> money in this game. There's supplies, which are little pouches, like little bindles of supplies. Just take the, what is just it? Take those from the peasants, take those from the lords. Um, but even take, even take the, the hey, those peasants, they may be hiding those supplies underneath the house for a reason, but those, those are, yours. are yours. Those are yours. Um, so actually that part, accurate representation of being a samurai. <laughs> from the peasants. Wait, did the samurai crawl under houses yes. chasing golden birds looking for looking supplies? For some, listen, sam- the samurais would absolutely send your tax, send their tax collectors to be like, where are you hiding your shit? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Open those floorboards up. I bet you have more, you know, more tax money in there. Don't fucking lie to the me. The tax collector, a.k.a. the golden bird. Uh, a.k.a. The, the golden bird. That's what, that's what they call him when he comes. Ah, uh, that's the golden bird coming to town. Um, but the other half of that is you collect all your own crafting supplies. And so all your crafts people will be like, just bring me the, the tree, the, the, the lumber I need to fix your bow up. Like, no, motherfucker, I'm a samurai. You're going to go get that lumber for me. That's how that game, that's how that shit really worked. Samurai well, it's, out it's, being like, it's I'm wartime. The they're, they're occupied. They're occupied. It's, you fair. know, look, I'm fair. three, I'm three supplies short. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to hustle me for you're this. Hustle like, me for this? <laughs> really? Uh, I'll be right back. Let me run around this temple really quick. I bet there's some supplies <laughs> I can find that I missed. <laughs> Real things that have happened to me in this game. Oh, yeah, there's one on this altar. I'm just going to take the supplies from this altar. Not the gift altar. This is an altar to Buddha. Those are my supplies now. See, it would have been like more thematically consistent where like as you're, uh, you know, sort of like liberating different parts, like retaking them from the Mongols, they're like, oh, because the- it does have a system where it's like the gift. And so occasionally the game like sends you a message like, hey, make sure you go to, 
you know, go back to a hub area and like there's these little uh, areas where, you know, the, the, the people can give you gifts, which are just like, yo, here's a bunch of supplies and like a couple of rare crafting items. But it seems like it seems like a little strange the game doesn't engage with any sort of system, yeah. even if it would like feel shitty, but it would feel in line with like the shittiness, like these characters of the system they're engaging with. Where it's like, hey, when you rescue this town, you should just be getting supplies that you can then yeah. use to upgrade your shit. Um, yeah. It wants you to explore. Well, and and it, and again, it, wants you to fi- it wants you to find those very obvious climbing spots oh. and, you know, get up on there. Again, and it feels um, like it's from 2007. Like, yeah. Oh. It's really funny that this is the game that's like the this and Last of Us 2 are the last. And Patrick, you and I had talked about this a little bit. These are the last two exclusive titles for the PlayStation 4, right? These are the end of the era games. Yeah, and they represent like really important pillars mm-hmm. of not just like on one hand, like, the, you know, uh, Last of Us represents like a very like something that Sony has made part of like the DNA of like a lot of their games. Mm-hmm. And some of this is in Ghost, uh, Ghost, Ghost uh, <laughs> of Tsushima as well. Um, but like, on what, yeah, you do. Like if you were to look at it like the last 10 years, like it's like you have like this very specific type of open world game. Yep. And then you have these like very linear uh, uh, chasing, uh, you know, Hollywood cinematic storytelling. And these games to some degree represent not, you know, I think uh, Last of Us for all its criticism represents a height of chasing that specific style like whatever your fault you know problems you have with it it is doing that to an audacious Mm -hmm. um degree um and ghost in in some way is doing that as well although i think ghost is is really hindered by being a pretty uh formulaic archaic like con like a lot of things that don't work in this game don't work because they're dropped into an open world that has moved on past what ghost that's exactly started you can feel that they played breath of the wild at a certain point or like ah all right how do we bring some of that into this? Uh, how do we yeah. get rid of the UI? How do we make this cleaner? I mean, maybe that's not from watching Breath of the Wild or playing Breath of the Wild. Like I, I don't know that for sure. But I, though I, I do think if you're releasing an open world game in 2020 and you haven't been influenced by Breath of the Wild, you're lying to yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, but the but in some ways, part of the thing here is that like we've seen what that next step of the the stuff is going to look like. It's probably going to look a little bit more like Breath of the Wild. It's going to to uh, be a little bit more, a little less icon chasey, and a little bit more what's over there. This natural feeling of exploration. Um, and this game touches on that here and there, and and it feels good. But the way that that those feelings contrast with the checklist open world game design there's like a, a lot of tension between those two design elements. Um, and in that way, I think it's, it's in a, in a more difficult place uh, in some ways than, than doing something where you're just like, Oh yeah, we're just going to keep pushing this thing forward. It's not at the cutting edge of it. Uh, even though it's the kind of last big hurrah from Sony in this, in this sub genre, you know, um, yeah, it feels uh, dated somehow. Yeah. Well, part yeah. of it, I, I mean, seriously, weirdly as much, as much as my criticism of, of last of us, I think ghost of Tsushima might've actually been like a, more pleasant experience put into something more like that mold that right. was about a more linear um, experience pushing you along in like more confined spaces. I, I loved going, you know, I inherited a friend's HDR like, oh, yeah. enabled TV mm-hmm. for this game and I kind of thought HDR was some bullshit and it's like, no, this game like wildly <laughs> yeah. changed. I mean, this is the thing, right? I was like, hey, uh, Katie, we got to buy a 4K TV before it turns out. Um, it, it's gorgeous. It's and so like, I, so I, I had so much... Uh, like really, like there were moments where I just stopped and stared at the world. Like I don't do photo modes, but I'm so excited to see what people do with the photo yeah. mode in this because it's it is it is truly breathtaking at times. Um, the photo mode like has I, a video enjoy- mode also, which I'm very yeah. curious to see people. Like you can animate stuff, I believe, in this photo. Yeah, mode. Yeah, you can kind of like, like isn't tracking it, so the, shots. I think the way it works and- is like. 
And also, like, you can set up a still shot, but allow, like, the grass and the trees to continue animating mm-hmm. at, like, the, the spot that you stop to kind of create almost like a like a GIF or, mm-hmm. or something like that. So one of the, the, one of the things I really liked about the visuals in this game too, is I just, I had just come from pl- finished playing last of us two when I started this and, you know, last of us two looks great. It's got this very hyper realistic, dark gritty thing going on. And then you start playing this and you see the power of like what you can do when you've got a directed art style. Yeah. And there's these bright primary colors. Oh my God. The yellows in that first yeah. area. And one of the, some of the first areas will bleed onto your clothing. It's so bright. There was a yeah. moment I was like, why is my sword gold? And the answer is like, it's not gold. You're in a golden forest and the light is being reflected onto your blade. And it's like, yo, that's incredible. Or I'm wearing all white and so the white takes on this golden hue. If I change to a different color, it, the material doesn't react in the same way. Like, that's incredible. Um, and again, part of why I think the Kurosawa mode is kind of a diss to their own art team it's not i know it's not meant i know it's a fun thing that they included but then then the marketing is playing up in mm-hmm. a in a huge way yeah but god this game looks so sharp anyway your your point there the, the directed art style uh compared yeah, that to you, last of us yeah you don't need hyper like this hyper fidelity and you don't need these amazing 4k images to create something that's truly beautiful right like ghost looks amazing and it's because it it knows Every image, every time you're moving that camera around, it is supposed to have this like cinematic every frame of painting kind of yeah. look to it. The grass is always moving. There's a little there's, you know, there's, some, there's particle effects just constantly. in the air constantly. It's, it's kind of goofy. <laughs> yeah, and, but like my allergies were like <laughs> I get allergies in the spring, and I'm looking around this game like I could not exist as Tsushima. I would need a lot of pills. Don't and worry, it does that's have, not how Tsushima uh, really is anyway. <laughs> Uh, it does have grim images, but it's really interesting the way they deploy them because you'll be in these these wonderful, beautiful spaces of nature and then just kind of punctuated. There's where the Mongols have been and there's one tiny burned out spot okay. where they've hang, hanged somebody from a tree or set someone on fire. And it, but it's always contrasted against the, the, the beauty of nature, right? Which again is caught up in all of that yep. stuff around and, – and, this is one of the hardest things for me is I had a degree of discomfort with this game and it's and it's playing in that space of stereotype and trope around Japanese samurai and, and Japanese culture and the all of these kind of like watchwords around Japanese culture. But I also need to – I had to unpack a little bit. Why am I feeling that here from – I mean part of it is the sucker – is that Sucker Punch fucked up in infamous second son and that means that i'm like super skeptical around around their treatment of race because of of the stuff with the voice actors um and the stuff in that game in general around native american stuff did not feel genuine to me uh uh, nor (laughs) nor to the critics that that are native american whose work i'd read like dia um uh but why do i feel more discomfort from this than i did from ubisoft a french company I mean, a global company, but a French headquartered company making a game about uh, Egypt and North Africa in in Assassin's Creed Origins, right? Uh, 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 Egypt, a place that France has colonized and been part and, and invaded and and killed people in, and blah blah blah, right? Um, and and I'm I'm trying to unpack why that is, and, and I think part of it is 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 personal in the sense that I can see my own bad orientalism of the past reflected in this game and that makes it hard a harder pill to swallow and that's less about what's on the in the text and more about me as a as an audience member um but also 
but also I just feel like we don't the, the same degree of orientalization. I mean, it's weird because Orientalism is literally about the Middle East and, and Arabic culture. Like when you look at when you look at the history of Orientalist uh, uh, studies and, and you look at uh, Saeed, Saeed is not talking about the Far East. He's talking about the Near East and the Middle East. Um, but but uh, nevertheless, I think in contemporary culture, especially in video game culture and nerd culture, Japanese culture is so uh, exoticized, so fetishized. And this game is taking part in all of that. And it's doing it with these big binaries around honor and dishonor and and courage and fear and fathers and sons. It's like it's 100% committed to big binary ideas. <laughs> like that is this game. Uh, nat nature and, you know, the beauty of nature and the horrors of war are in conflict. And it's doing them, it's doing those parts of some of those things really well, but it still doesn't sit well with me. Um, and I think part of it is that it says the thing it wants to talk about directly. I, Sekiro mm -hmm. is also a game about honor and dishonor. Sekiro is also a game about the conflict between doing what you think is right and duty. It has like choices in that game around that stuff. And, and narratively, it is about that stuff. But also, it never quite just – no no one says, don't be dishonorable. <laughs> that would be dishonorable. It's it's way more uh, – the characters just live that life and make decisions around that stuff. And it being disconnected from any particular place or moment in history means that there, I don't I don't come to it with the same degree of like – uh, a focus or or I don't have a magnifying glass on whether or not it, it sticks the landing on that stuff because it's 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 kind of filed away in my mind as a parable. The Sekiro is a parable about honor and and about uh, duty, whereas Ghost of Tsushima wants to be a lecture on it, and it's a lecture yes. from a lecturer who didn't prepare for the class, who didn't bring any notes, who is rem half remembering things from Wikipedia, uh, and and that's just a bad look. Well, and From Software is a Japanese company, right? Right. Right. Uh, Sucker Punch is not. And and the part of the marketing of this game has been, look how good we did the Japanese stuff, y'all. Yes, you're right. And so when you, you know, those are valid criticisms and it's going to make it, the, the discomfort totally makes sense because they're selling it partially on like, look how well we can tell this Japanese story. <laughs> Bro, the fucking Mongols have rocket launchers that were not, like, the Huacha is a Korean weapon that <laughs> mm -hmm. existed, but not for 300 years. There were other types of Chinese rocket war, like, and, and I get it, like, there are turret sequences in this game, because they felt like we need turret sequences in this game. How do we get turret oh, sequences no. in this game? With what? The Huacha, the, the, the yeah. big, like, oh, rocket oh, launcher oh, oh, oh. Gotcha. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. which are like, again, those didn't exist yet. It just... Don't do it. Just just don't include shit that didn't exist for hundreds of years. It's not that hard. Anyway, I know that, that this is me being uh, kind of a, a, a pedantic about it, but it is because of what Matt just said, which is they sold it in a real way on, ah, yes, we, we want to leverage the the history of Japan. The, the lev we want to leverage the history of samurai. But at the same time, if you're not paying respect to that history, then what are you doing? You're not respecting it. You're just leveraging. You're not even leveraging it. You're leveraging what people think they know about it. Right. Right. So, which again is fine if what you're doing is telling a mythical tale or telling a uh, you know a story uh, set inspired by. But in, when you're saying this is based on the the real, I mean, one of the things that happens in the credits is there is a uh, a dedication to the to those who died in the Battle of Tsushima, which is weird. <laughs> 
uh, especially when the Battle of Tsushima is actually a different thing. The Battle of Tsushima is a is a Russo Japanese war battle. It's not the first invasion of of uh, Tsushima by the Mongols, but I know what they mean. Um, so yeah, I yeah, it's a game that wants it every possible way, and I don't necessarily know that it earns it. So, um, and yet I might platinum this game because that's how close I am to getting everything done at this point. Ah, the duality of man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's extremely the story of this game, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, All like, right. it's, not, it's not bad. It's super fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet, Matt? I am at MJ Galt uh, on uh, Twitter. And G-A-U-L-T, I just, right? G-A-U-L-T, not like the Randy and Objectivist Hero. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a U in there. Um, and I just launched, if I can, if I can say this, I do have a podcast, uh, called war college that's been going on for about five years and we just launched our Substack. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is at warcollege.substack.com. So get a newsletter. You you like Substack? How's Substack doing for you? Uh, I mean, literally I just, we just put out the first newsletter this morning. Oh, awesome. Um, but I, I like as terms of like how the interface works and like all the backend stuff. All right, all right. I've like been thinking it, about like it. I've been, I've been thinking about some Substack shit, so pay attention. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of. I don't know if you've ever messed around with Medium. Medium, yeah, Medium totally. is very easy to use. It feels yeah. like that. Cool. Well, check out War College. Thank you so much for coming through, and uh, Thank we you. look forward to the next time you can you can come hang. Absolutely. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna do some time travel. We're going to travel to last week when, when Kato, Patrick, and I talked to Rob about uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion. Um, so. And I will, uh, we won't get to it this episode because it's already jam-packed, but I've been playing Paper Mario and Deadly Premonition. So just uh, mark that. We'll, we'll get there in, 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 in the, the end of the week. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. All right, y'all. Well, we will be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we are back, and we have a guest. It's not really a guest, it's Rob. <laughs> Rob is here. But Rob wasn't not here before. be here on Monday. That's right. the material point is... Uh, I don't want to be here, so I'm not going to. And wow. Patrick's going to sound materially different because he's recording in a completely different space with a completely different microphone. So we're going to be j- yeah. <laughs> jumping realities in this in this podcast. A hundred, yeah. That's yeah. This is all very. I was going to try to make it smooth and like, oh wow, Rob hopped on the call, but that's just not going to happen at this point. Um, we may or may not have spoken about the Ubisoft event in the first half of this show. Uh, I don't. I don't know because we didn't record it yet, and we don't know how that show was going to go and 
and we'll fucking see. Uh, but Rob did get to play two of the games that we are 99.99% sure will show up at that Ubisoft show. <laughs> Could you imagine if they didn't? Uh, Watch Dogs Legions? Legions? Legion? Just one Legion. Legion. Okay. And uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Vikings. Nope, Valhalla. I knew it was a V. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't just call it Vikings. That's not a good name. They shouldn't let me name shit. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with, with AC or do you want to start with Watch Dogs? Oh, boy. Um, AC might be the simpler discussion, so we can probably start there. Okay. Um, so first of all, the event was, like everything, online only. Mm. Um, they did it over the Parsec game streaming service. Uh, this is a little different. A lot of the other places that have done hands-on previews have been giving like timed Steam builds out, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you have to authenticate uh, your access to that, and you get in, you play with it for a while, and then it's deleted from your account. Uh, Ubisoft, either for reasons of like higher security, I can imagine games of this scale, you're a little more paranoid. Yeah, uh, no, this is uh, Parsec also, is what they they use internally. Um, the the reason they were able to like Ubisoft games will probably largely come out on time is that. Um, prior to the pandemic, they were they were they had become like one of the biggest licensees uh, or licensors of Parsec to start using it as like an internal corporate tool, and then they were planning to ramp to roll that out company wide in like the nearest future, and then COVID <laughs> like suddenly made it like ah shit, we have all these people that are going to be playing like developing at home. How are we going to manage that? And so they just rolled out Parsec company wide, and like the. The biggest uh, stumbling block was um, because lots of um, sort of like uh, lower end, uh, you know, not, not design side, but like QA doesn't even have like the legal authority to bring home like machines that can play builds of games. So Parsec is like a way where like QA testers, for example, can play a game that is licensed to be in the building with certain hardware and then they can play it at home without like violating the con you know the, the terms and conditions of like having a PS5 <laughs> dev kit um which can't go right. in your can't go in your apartment um so that's like, very funny um so that so that's how parsec ends up here is because it's 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 like something they're using um and for what i've heard it's like been very successful to allow them to transition to remote work and so i wasn't super shocked when it turns out that's how they were um deciding to do these remote yeah. previews I could also see it being the case that like these games run on the rigs at Ubisoft, but like they clearly weren't fully optimized at this point. So like there were a lot of like weirdly long loading times, and yeah. I can only imagine the chaos of like releasing those builds out into the world on like Steam uh, and getting like, eighteen hey, emails like, "Is this broken? Is this supposed to do this? Is it? Is this?" <laughs> It's is been my build for twenty busted? minutes. You just have to hold on. Trust me, that level takes twenty minutes to load. It'll be great. Uh, so that's one part of the weirdness here, but two, so Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that game's creative director just resigned, uh, yeah. because of some of the scandals ongoing at Ubisoft and some issues, uh, with a relationship he'd allegedly been pursuing, uh, via like concealing the fact that he, he was married. Uh, so the other weird context around all this is, this is the replacement for E3 event. Usually the Ubisoft event gives you long hands-on and then yeah. you go talk to developers. 
I wonder if they ever would have let you talk to developers regardless, uh, given what's going on. But this event was was certainly not that. Uh, you only talked briefly to PR people, and it was all about like, hey, are you in your Parsec account right now? Try this link. Does that work? <laughs> right. Uh, so it was all very like technical focused, um, and there was like no real place to talk with people or do interviews. Um, but like, there's this massive elephant in the room, which is that. This se- like there seems to be pervasive problems across Ubisoft's culture that affect a number of different studios, and so each of these games you're you're kind of looking at looking at and trying to remember like okay so which group of scandals is associated with this one? <laughs> uh, but Valhalla like kind of is you know there at the top of the credits. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a very weird time and place for Ubisoft games to come out, and I think. The thing I'll say is it's always felt to me, I always imagined Ubisoft as being this really impersonal just games factory. And it was easy for me to imagine it just being like kind of boringly professionalized, right? Like they're just cranking these games out. And it sounds Ubisoft like a, games sort of analogous so- to um um if you talk if you like read interviews with like a director on a film versus a director on a t- like a TV episode in which like a a film director has like a lot of authorial control over what's happening whereas like tv directors are assigned to like hey here's the script shoot the damn thing and just make sure it comes out on time mm. yeah and I, and i think ubisoft games tend to be so like anodyne and toothless that like you can sort of forget that hey like what are the politics of the place where these things are made and i think that served ubisoft very well to sort of not like raise these questions to sort of elide them uh in terms of the themes they they make games about uh and now yeah, happy that to make games about shattered. the abuse of power. A lot happy to make games ostensibly about the abuses of power or about manipulation or about uh, organizations uh, that are that are you know so large that that uh, the vulnerable get get uh, uh, you know harmed uh, inside of them. But you know you gotta yeah. you gotta clean up. You have to like make your spaces actually safe for the people who you employ. You have to. It is not a. Yeah. It is not an. It is not a like to have. A nice to have. No, but I, I think like for a long time you could say like, haha, it's just cute inside jokes that like Abstergo is clearly modified, yeah. uh, like uh, modeled after Ubisoft itself, and now it's like, oh, but but seriously, like what parts of it are like what <laughs> what is that place actually like? Um, I suspect Ubisoft wants this to stop being the conversation around their games as soon as humanly possible, but that also means too they bad. probably, yeah, they want to stop addressing it as soon as possible yeah. too. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that story continues to evolve. Uh, but Assassin's Creed Valhalla does continue kind of the evolution. Here's the weird thing. Assassin's Creed, I feel like that and Far Cry became the Ur template for all the other Ubisoft games. And the Assassin's Creed series, I feel, is quietly breaking from that template a little bit the most uh, and like sort of sidestepping its way to becoming something else um, mm-hmm. while every other game resembles AC a little bit more. Um, to me, which Valhalla. Is, which felt, is funny because Austin and I are going to have a. I don't know where this is going to fall, but there'll be a conversation this be in after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That is like very It'll be after a ghost conversation, which will be weird because I might sound brighter on ghost now. While talking about the Valhalla footage I'm looking at, then when we're just talking about Ghost. Well, but so. then also, go, go, 
Ghost is a game that is uh, explicitly sort of like chasing and built around this older 100%. AC model that Rob is speaking to, where it's like there are parts of Ghost that like are really interesting and go in different directions while being stuck in this framework that AC itself eventually at some point was like, what if, how do we wiggle out of this without anyone noticing? Yeah, like the last two, I mean, Rob, what you're speaking to is that the last two big Assassin's Creed games, uh, Origins and Odyssey, moved towards, uh, increasingly towards an RPG format uh with lots of numbers lots of uh, equipment slots. dialogue choices when dialogue choices when you hit enemies the numbers show up and tell you how much damage that you do ability trees skill trees uh com- companions to some degree in in odyssey here and there uh romance options um and I- i'm guessing my understanding is that the origins team and origins is a game i like much more than odyssey i think the origins team is the team making valhalla is my understanding? Uh, yeah. Is your impression that this does this game feel like it furthers the feature set that was in Odyssey, or does it dial it back down towards where Origins was, or is it's it? It's actually a more mix? of a mix. Okay. Uh, in terms of the like, so this is the thing. I'm not even sure you can say, oh, it's more of the Origins team because like mm. it lifts so much of the interface straight from uh, Odyssey. Like if you like scrub through the video, I sent a little bit. You can see those little ultimate moves that you've got yes. on the face buttons. Those are part and parcel of it. They weren't in Origins, but they're a big right. part of this one. Yeah, in Origins, um, you had like a finishing move or a super move you did per weapon or something. Whereas this is like you have, it looks like left trigger or right trigger goes into a super move mode and you then spend adrenaline points yeah. to do like, I'm going to throw a bunch of axes or I'm going to. That axe thing, I spammed that because, okay, I saw. here's the thing. <laughs> uh, Parsec. My internet may have been failing this last week. Who can say? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Well, you can say because you've constantly talked about it. (laughs) uh, I guess I can. Yeah. Um, We were having those freezing issues. Uh, So I didn't realize this at the time. And I kept wondering, like, why does this game have massive input lag? Why is the bit rate compressed all to hell? So I could sort of half see what I was doing. And, like, by this point in the day, I was getting deeply motion sick. Uh, because everything was super swimmy. Um, so the only thing that I could reliably like use to like crowd control was this axe throwing ultimate where you're throwing a bunch of axes and that would just let me clean up after those axes. There are because- a lot of those moves and they all look like I, maybe I'm wrong here because I, I'm only seeing the ones that, you, that you're showing. They all give me the feeling of like Xbox era Mortal Kombat games. Um, they're like very cartoonish. They're not, they're not that, vi- they're not gory in the way that like MK nine forward, uh, uh, fatalities or whatever are, we're not talking about bones breaking or, I mean, sometimes you're seeing heads come off for sure. Uh, but it's a lot of just like canned animation, really outlandish, huge swipes. There's a shield. No, the, the one that's the most like an MK animation is you just produce two giant mallets out of nowhere and then like head bonk someone with both of them to the sides and then drop them like you're an assassin who just finished dropping people with your glocks and you just drop them on the ground except they're two big mallets. And I'm like, that's a night wolf does that that's that's just from a mortal Kombat game um which i don't know how to feel about all of that stuff i still don't I, here's the thing i think it's better than odyssey because the combat feels better like okay this is the thing i'll emphasize even with the odyssey, delay even with the delay so the delay might the delay might be causing me to overrate this because uh, i kept getting okay. spacing and timing wrong 
And I was like, this feels like every other Assassin's Creed. I could eventually, like, some way, somehow, probably button my way, button mash my way through a little bit, and I'd be fine. The game wasn't that demanding. Here, it was like, oh, I'm screwing up the distancing on this fight because the last time I played it, I had my battle axe, but now I've got a flail, and the flail has a slightly longer reach. And so I'm letting this guy get inside me, and I shouldn't be. Um, and that's like a level of like Assassin's Creed Origins. Like you had the spear, which was a long, long-reaching weapon. But like by and large, it didn't feel like it was a game of like super precise timings or like distance management. Valhalla feels like it's a little more concerned about those things, and that goes sort of hand in hand with it's picking up from Odyssey in that. Yeah, you're you're an assassin, but you're also what if you were maybe more of a war leader? What if you were like a pirate uh, king, or uh, in this case, a Viking raider? And so, a big focus in this game is setting up these big battles uh, or going on raids and getting in these like giant scrums alongside your crew and your allies. Um, and in Odyssey, those fights didn't do much for me because they were very rote, right? It was like, ah, yeah. oh, here's a bunch of people fighting in a big uh, melee. Here, they feel more like a Dynasty Warriors thing where it's like, oh, so like there's all sorts of military action shit happening all around. And you are like taking part in a thing that feels like a battle. And because you're going to spend so much of your time doing this fighting, the fighting seems like it's gotten a little extra care and attention given to it that makes it a little more interesting to me than maybe Odyssey was. Yeah, um, those those conquest battles in Odyssey were one of the most disappointing things, partially because they never filtered up into meaning anything. It was the Athens versus Sparta stuff and every it, all of the 30 different zones in that game, huge zones, and each one could build up to a big fight between Athens and Sparta, and it never went anywhere. It changed no. who ostensibly held whatever region, but it didn't matter. And all of the the sequences were just these kind of big open fights where you, there are enemies locked in, not just locked in animations. I think they were actually fighting. And if you'd done nothing, someone would have come out the victor. Um, but where you're just kind of bouncing from from fight to fight and interjecting yourself, there didn't ever feel very, maybe, maybe if I'd done more of them, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it never felt like objective-based in a way that like, here is a space where there is a conflict, and first you have to breach point A, and then you have to capture points, you know, B and C, so that you can use the siege engines to do da 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 da. Whereas the one piece of footage I saw that you that you sent of this siege, you were like, okay, we have the battering ram, we're trying to break down this wall, and then the enemy has these like fortified positions they're shooting down at us from, and while they're doing that, I also have to deal with the melee combatants, and and that seemed a little bit more focused and like a little bit more like literally more designed. Yeah. And I liked that Castle Siege a lot, uh, less so the fact that it didn't have any checkpoints. And uh, there was a sequence where, like, it was an infinite spawn, and right. I didn't know that. And yeah. so I, I should shit. have just, like, I kept dying there, and then it would kick me back, like, 15 minutes to the start of this fight. But this Castle Assault was cool as hell. Uh, you know, you're sort of riding in on, you know, riding in on your long ships, you know, in a lightning storm, storming ashore, uh, you know, breaching several walls uh, with with your Viking horde and then getting in a big, you know, dust up with this warlord you're trying to stop. Uh, and so the, the fighting there felt a lot better. But I also felt like consistently throughout this game, 
this feels like a game that wants to push you into those like okay now you gotta get a get in a big old viking uh you know tussle and even in places where i was like okay i can sort of stealth my way through this like there's an early quest where you have to prove to the saxons that you're one of the good vikings um and you do Ah. that by uh saving a church Um, ah the classic other the goofus Vikings, the goofus clan would raid this church, but gallant Ivor uh, is here to save this church. Um, so you got to go do this. And I'm like, OK, I'll just sneak around, and, like clear this camp. That's what it's asking me to do. It's standard Assassin's Creed shit. Yeah. Yes, up to a point. But one, there's a lot of dudes hidden throughout that level that are like going to come out of nowhere and like get you in a big fight. Uh, and that's fine. But then to finish clearing out the church, you just have to open the doors to the church, go inside, and there's like a boss there. And now you gotta have like a big old like melee in the in the middle of this room. Um and I mean, so at a certain like, point is it like keeping the ste- is it keeping the stealth stuff just out of like legacy as opposed <clears throat> to like it seems like in some ways like this game and its setting and its characters and what it wants you to do specifically is sort of like sure like we still have that stuff, but that's kind of how it feels. Like, we're really not gonna like cool. You can still press right button to assassinate like above a person, <laughs> but we really want you just to jump down there and like fight you know, 16, uh, you know, warriors at once. Yeah. Ivor doesn't feel like someone who's going to do the stealthy approach, right? Unlike Cassandra or, uh, Bayek, um, like, and you're not picking a character this time, right? You're, it's just a single authored, uh, character. At the well, top. It's, it's a bit like, it's a Cassandra or, uh, Alexios type Alexios, thing, but yeah. like oh, okay. Ivor is, Ivor can be a man or a woman. Um, I got oh, okay, and, okay, okay. Either Ivor is very much like a let's go <laughs> right. kick ass and drink mead. Right. And okay. like, so that's how you roll. And it never feels like Ivor is going to be like, all right, time to hide in these bushes. Time to put this knife between my yeah, teeth uh-huh. and like sneak into the castle like a ninja. <laughs> like, Ivor consistently feels like they want to like kick the door in and be like, Ivor's in the house. Who wants to die? <laughs> yeah. Um, which fair. Which, which yeah. fair. I'm also, fine. I, I, I'm fine with that. Um, and the fighting felt kind of good. Um, in terms of tone, though, it does remind me of Origins in that where Odyssey was like super bright and like you know you're in you you're in Hellenic land. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Over here we have the the blossoming apple trees town, or not just town, but the state where everywhere you look is a big beautiful blossoming tree. And over here it's fall. It's autumn over here, and it's autumn over here for fifteen minutes straight if you just walk in a straight line. <laughs> Uh, and here's the yeah. pirate town. Did you know there were ancient Greek pirates? Well, this town is dedicated to them. Put on your head. Did you know the Greeks painted their statues? That's why everything's day glow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the thing is in this game, it feels a little bit more like Origins and it's a little more restrained. The place you're in, East Anglia, uh, in the Fens, uh, it's super Witcher 3 like in terms of just overall presentation and like even the, even the music, it just feels like a slightly more downbeat Assassin's Creed, which I'm uh-huh. probably a little more here for. Like I liked that Bayek was kind of a, a sad dad God, in I love some Bayek ways. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, Ivor isn't necessarily a sad character, but it seems like kind of a grim world. Uh, <laughs> you right? said that as on the footage you sent that I'm watching, you're getting into a drinking contest. Okay. 
Uh, so, so yeah, not a not a sad. This is like a. I mean, not that sad dads can't do drinking contests. I take it back. Maybe this is still that. <laughs> well, I think in a minute, while I'm drunk, I have to go console my um, like drunk, depressed Viking buddy in that same mm. clip. So like, just keep watching. But Rob, like, you're by the way, the owned lag. at this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It's a timing thing. Yeah. I couldn't like the timing kept changing. And so I was like, why can't the white dude this has, has has downed two ram's horns worth of mead in the time it's taking you to take a yeah, little look, sip. I lose the drinking game. OK, <laughs> uh, I, Ivor's not a lush. Uh, <laughs> Ivor likes to taste. There's a little sip. Yeah. Like, a little... Yeah, See, Ivor keeps spitting it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you like watch a little further in this clip, also, while you're hammered, the dude you're in the drinking contest with is like. Hey, uh, you want to go bone down? And like in the past, I'd have been like, okay, yeah, standard, like, you know, it's a party, it's Viking shit, it's thematic. But also, again, like you see that scene and then you think about the Kotaku article where it's like Ubisoft underpays tons of employees and gets them wasted and then says like, oh, don't mind what so-and-so did. They were drunk. Um, And so you see this scene like – yeah, you get drunk and then you're immediately propositioned by somebody and you're like, yeah, let's have, uh, you know, let's sneak off in a corner here and make out. Uh, suddenly it's like, okay, that seems less neutral than it did before. It seemed uh. less uh, like it had a, a message. And maybe that's reading too much into it. But at the same time, like it is the reading that like sort of jumps off the screen uh, at this moment. Um, also, his opening line is is bad. I don't know if you remember this, Rob, but he walks over to you're at a table where there's a feast, including a big roasted pig. And he says, the boar represents fertility. Did you know that? Bad, bad line. Uh, Broder. <laughs> not, yeah, not a good I, one. I was like, that boar looks like it represents some barbecue. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take a little of that skin, put it in this dipping sauce. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing. So in that quest, you can also say it's a wedding feast. Um, and the guy in the, the the thing you have to protect in this in this opening quest area uh, of this of this demo we had is like there's kind of a soft boy king that you have to protect. Um, he's a good Saxon king who thinks that Vikings and Saxons should live together in harmony. Okay. But he's kind of a he's he's a soft little nerd, and this evil viking is like i'm gonna kick this guy's ass because i can and so you're all about trying to get this little oswald fella uh back on his throne i see and yeah well is that Um, the vibe like what is the what is this game rob are you so the viking so tell hmm, tell me about dane law is that is this the era that we're talking about are we talking about the era which the 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 danes have already begun to take over some land in England and like basically establish their own communities. And so this is not just the Viking raids. This is cult. This is a clash of cultures to use a phrase that gets tossed around a lot. Uh, and, and you, who are you in this, in this mix? Uh, so you appear to be somebody who is, A newcomer to this land looks like you have some sort of grudge you're pursuing in the background, but also you are kind of between worlds and are open to like helping the Saxons and helping the Vikings. I think by and and large, like the vibe you get off Ivor is that they 
think the best solution is for these two cultures to get along and like cohabit in, uh, you know, in Britannia. Um, but obviously the tension is that there's still new raids happening and right. people like sort of storming ashore and like taking land, slaughtering Saxons. There are some kingdoms I think that are already basically fallen to Vikings and like are being governed by Vikings and under the Danes. Um, and then there are places where like, the Vikings have actually been driven back or at least contained and like long-term there is some sort of their unifications now happening between like Saxon clans and Viking clans. Um, so that, and you as Ivor seem like you have a lot of, you're sort of a person who goes around and like sets things aright in these various zones. Um, but in terms of like having the overall picture of like what's going on, I don't know. Uh, it's not like an Athens-Sparta thing where it's like, okay, here's the conflict that sort of defines everything that's happening right now. The concerns of East Anglia and the section you play feel very, like, it's just local. It's like, uh -huh. this is a local drama, and you complete the story there, and then you gather your crew, and you move on to the next zone. And where, and where does this um, fit in, like... So far, you have not described an Assassin's Creed game with Templars and yeah, like, the word temp <laughs> Templar hasn't been raised once. Like at this, at this point, you could not not called this game an Assassin's Creed game and just be like, it's just Valhalla. I didn't hear shit about Templar. Okay. Well, the Templars are only founded in what the twelve hundred, the twelfth century, early early eleven hundreds. Right. So when does this take place? Uh, like 800s, I think. 800s. So we predate the Templars, but presumably there's an the pre-Templar. The there's a cult. The cult of Cosmos or whatever was in Odyssey is still around in some form, and that shit will work its way in. Yeah, presumably. It mostly <laughs> seems like that's the thing. This oh, just feels like franchise. Oh, the last God. kingdom. It's like you're just a Viking, man. You're just a Viking. You're a doing Viking yeah. shit. A friend of like, mine is playing oh, no, you through died. Odyssey. Yeah, you go distinct. ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you no, desync. So it is still it. it does say desynchronized. It does still say desynced, yeah. right? So that means that, that that layer will still be there. A friend of mine who somehow didn't know about the futuristic or the modern day stuff is playing through AC Odyssey right now. Um and she's like, What is why do I have to get in this box to remember my <laughs> yeah, ancestor? No, Am I no controlling previously my ancestor? On. There's no like no. hey, by the and way, I was here's, like, here's the conceit of this uh, franchise that has been bloated to the to the point of uh hilarity. Yeah, she we was like tired of paying Nolan North and <laughs> changed. <laughs> yep. yep. She was like, wait a second. Why is it that sometimes I uh, am I am I dreaming about my ancestor even when I'm not in the box? I'm like, well, the bleed effect. If you knew about Desmond Miles, this would all be this would all seem like it made way more sense. But unfortunately, we don't talk about Desmond Miles anymore. This fucking series. Well, I, I will say, Rob, one of the weirdest things for me watching this is I'm coming right off of playing Ghost of Tsushima. And uh, Tsushima, Tsushima is such a restrained game in comparison to where the AC series has gone. Um, one of the earliest touchstones for me while I was playing that game was like Assassin's Creed 1. Yeah. I was playing that game and being like, oh, wow, this is, this is an old overall design in, in a lot of ways. And it's not as – it's not just AC1. AC1 has a lot of very interesting, weird things that goes to uh, – accepts the AC2 and forward model in a lot of ways to be like, okay, wait a second. We got to make this where people like to play this a little bit. Um, but when I look at like the boss fights in Valhalla, which are these kind of big arena duels where both of you are throwing special abilities at each other and you're like doing big giant poses and everything is just, it is, it's very Viking. It's very like, rah. 
uh, compared to the ghost stuff, where in ghosts you end up in these duels that are similarly, similarly like, oh, people are watching on sometimes. You versus your opponent. You do. You both maybe have some special combos to bust out or something. But the whole the whole but, game, like the like literally the perspective yes. of the game changes to reflect that the the moment between these two characters is fundamentally different than when you're just fighting seven soldiers. Even though you're using exactly. the exact same mechanics, like the controls you've used, like on, on a broader uh, like the camera. Except perspective. Like, Oh, go ahead. They do get rid of like you can't use your ninja tools anymore. Correct. You correct. can't switch. Um, maybe you can still switch. You can't throw stances. a smoke bomb to just assassinate someone. With <laughs> just one, one kill hit. someone. <laughs> I don't know why. At a certain point in that game, I there's a point at which your character is like cool with doing that in all other circumstances. I don't know why he continues to honor the duel throughout that game, but because it's cool, Austin. It's cool. It's, it's cool, cool as hell. It's fucking they, cool as hell. When like he does do like that, that click. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the but it, it's it's so the thing that's so weird to me is I had a pretty rough time with Ghost, uh, or I had a mixed time with Ghost. I played a lot of that game over a short period of time because it filled a need, and like you would have already heard me talk about this in the first half of the show, probably. Um, but I left it feeling kind of down on it, and then watching this footage from AC. It reminded it, it made it clear to me why, even if I wound up leaving Ghost of Tsushima pretty mild, why I got through it, whereas I didn't get through Odyssey. I didn't even get all the way through Origin. Origin is a huge game that I loved, but did not or that I liked a lot. And I like more in retrospect, having not not having to play it anymore. I like it more. The, um, the moment to I, moment in Ghost feels like seeing like <laughs> I think you pointed out there's in this footage that like Robson along, which is like a capture that Ubisoft did of his his playthrough like there's a sequence where rob is like slowly fighting like three of these husky dudes Dude. in a church and i'm watching this combat and like you know it's, i'm not playing it i don't know what like sort of the feel right. of it is and it's like, on and it's on this the streaming software and it's on the streaming software so there's lot, lots of caveats that are like really important um but nonetheless you can you can gleam a through line of how that combat is going to feel and I, like you i suddenly looked back at Ghost of Tsushima was like, well, part of the reason that game works on the level that it does is that like often we sacri- we we understand that for a big open world, it means often like the, me- the, the mechanics and the systems of those mechanics, especially like combat, are just going to be poor. Like that's just not as much of an emphasis. So it's more like combat's there to like accomplish the goal of like defeating the enemies as opposed to being like a main source of interest for the player. And mm-hmm. Ghost like puts a much higher emphasis on like on its combat and making all the moment to moment fighting and, and the yeah. moment to moment feeling good and like having satisfying uh, uh, interactions, which is surprising. I I, I and you've already I'm not going to repeat ourselves here because we know, already talked about this in the first half and we have to be careful about it because of the way we're recording these episodes. But what I do keep coming back to is this feeling of Ghost being a much more restrained game than what Ubisoft wants the Assassin's Creed series to go to, which is ironic for me because what drew me to Assassin's Creed to begin with was its restraint. So much of AC1 is this quiet, contemplative journey through the Middle East, right? Even through AC2 and and the the Ezio games where you get a kind of more bombastic character, those games have lots of quiet moments. There is a sense of, of um, especially compared to other action games, there was a sense in those games of, not realism, but like video game action naturalism where blades are, are, you know, clanking off of each other. And even when you get your most outrageous moves, you don't get to use them too often. And you're, you're, you're just not, you're not like summoning flaming axes or, or, uh, doing any of the more wild shit. Again, the two giant mallets uh, coming from nowhere and then, cl- and then clonk beating someone over the head with them in a Saturday morning cartoon way. Um, and and I'm, this seems to work for them. But the thing that is actually hovering over me, and I, I know you didn't get to play this, but by the time we talk, 
uh, again, the timeline on this is weird. My guess is we'll see gods and monsters uh, on whenever this Ubisoft day is, which is like seems like a pretty explicit, even more cartoonish version of what they've been doing with the Assassin's Creed franchise. And it makes me wonder if, like, long term, the goal is to just continue down this super heroics path. Well, didn't or um, for, didn't didn't or Odyssey or Origins eventually go to like straight up fucking Atlantis, and you're fighting? Yeah, Odyssey like, goes to Atlantis creatures. Yeah. So, um, which if anything, again, I mean, the myth, I, the myth hmm. stuff in Odyssey seemed kind of dope. If I'm being honest, yeah. I, I didn't, that's, well, that's I what I mean. They leaned into it in footage. a way that seems like potentially neat, and actually is one of those things we've talked about probably talk about in ghosts the conversation where right. this game could have benefited from leaning a little into that at a times. little bit more of that yeah um yeah it's weird it's weird so rob i'm curious if you feel like is that tonal stuff because you've already suggested there's kind of a, a a weird blend here because the area is much lower key than the odyssey areas but at the same time the action is still dialed to 11 do you think that the areas are going to change to meet that action or if the action is just kind of plateau it's tough to say. Like, I'll say um, there's a big optional boss battle uh, where, like, you fight a Valkyrie. Just she, She's in the world. Um, and, like, so it sort of seems like the thing they might be doing is, like, okay, some crazy mythological shit can happen over here. But, right. like, in the main world, people are, like... Okay, it's Viking politics, Saxons, Dane law, etc. And then you got in the world and it's, like, ooh, what's this? Like... Did Odin step, set foot here? Like, <laughs> shit see. like that. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I don't know, but I, I think you've touched on something really important, which is that this is a game that feels like it's less restrained and getting less restrained, and also that Ubisoft games have this sort of super heroics vibe. And I wish the upload had worked so you could see Legion. Because yeah. the problems you're describing with um, the the concerns you have with Assassin's Creed as you watch this footage, mm -hmm. tenfold when it comes to Legion. Should uh, we just pivot and start talking about Watch Dogs Legion then? Yeah, okay. I, I think so. So yeah, Rob, let's just uh, let's just get into let's just talk about Watch Dogs Legion then. All right, um, <laughs> Rob. I, Rob, I was excited about this one. Uh huh. Uh -huh. I was like, yeah, like Clint Hawking is back at Ubisoft and right. like Clint Hawking, the be... creative director of Far Cry 2 or the, the yeah. lead of oh, I don't know if the actual title was in Far Cry 2. Who, who, admittedly, I thought it was wildly overrated at the time of Far Cry 2. But in his long <laughs> absence from the industry, uh, Ooh, Jesus, like, I have since look, he gave a bad talk at MIT and like I was like, oh, we all got a bad talk on shit. I've given bad talks. It happens. <laughs> also, we haven't seen this game since um, I played it at E3. Um, yeah. Since it was shown at E3 last year, it was delayed significantly yeah. um, for non-COVID uh, uh, related uh, reasons. And so, like, I was so fascinated for Rob to check this game out. Like, A, we had talked about prior to Rob playing this, like, will this game like reconsider like how it contextualizes interactions with the police given the moment that it's about to come out in, in which it's a game where you can be anybody. And like, also Including, I guess that means right. you can be the cops. Um, yeah. I guess like the, then, the, the premise that's worth just saying out loud is like, it's near dystopian future. It's you're playing a group of uh, rebels and literally a group there. The promise was there was no prota single protagonist. You're recruiting characters from a pool of procedurally generated characters who have backgrounds and relationships, 
And that included police. That included that if you did some favors for the cops, for a cop, that cop would suddenly be down with, like, overthrowing the whole system uh, that they were working to defend. Um, but I know this particular story thing is, like, I think that the situation in that game is that the police have been replaced with private security company. But those characters you can also recruit, is my understanding. It's like everybody. Everybody in that game is recruitable, was the promise. Uh, and the proc gen XCOM storytelling, Austin loves all that shit and is very curious about how do you build a game where there's no protagonist in the AAA mold? How do you build a, a, a game that's supposed to be doing all this proc gen narrative stuff, not just proc gen character stuff? Does that work? Uh, even though the politically minded leftist Austin is like, please don't give, make me the cop friend game. Please come on. You got to recognize that material relationships and, 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 and social relations shape things more broadly than if I help someone with their personal problems, they'll join my, my revolution. Um, well, here's the, here's the solution. Yes. The cops are just gone. Oh. Um, didn't see a single cop. Well, what, what I saw what? were the private security guards okay. beating the shit out of people on every street corner. Can you recruit um, the private security guards? No. Oh, so did they just make a hard line on that then? Yeah, like you get a bit of voiceover. It's like, boy, it'd be nice if we'd recruit one of those guys, huh? Uh, well. Huh. Um, huh. Just imagine anyway. what we could do. Um, so you did not see the police strike then? Because that was like an active thing in the demo that we played last year where the old cops were all on – or not the strike. You don't they were see a Bobby. There's not, not a Bobby. Wow. They had – see, they were – they were pro, maybe you're playing a different part of the, the world map. Who knows? That might all still be in there. But the zone that Patrick and I played last year, one of the like ongoing things was a police protest. Pe cops who were mad that they'd been replaced by private security. Um, anyway, this is all second, secondary to the larger point, which is like does it work? No. Um, okay. So, all right. Break my heart, Rob. All right. Um, where to begin? Okay. Uh, first of all, nothing feels very good. And admittedly, like maybe Parsec was not helping with that, but like literally, like with we're having the same conversation. Austin, Watchdogs. Yeah. Every time that game made you take your gun out, which was pretty frequently, it yeah. sucked. It right. was like the guns feel like garbage. But did that change in Watch Dogs 2, which neither Rob nor I played, but Austin, I know you were Watch Dogs a 2 fan slaps. Of, like I think there's some um, serious problems with that with some of the there's some stuff yeah. in that game that goes bad. Uh, but anyone I think anyone listening to this who uh, is interested in open world games should play Watch Dogs 2, which I think is free on PC or on PlayStation Plus or something based on so I think maybe by the time this is out, this podcast is out, it won't be free anymore, but it's worth it's worth whatever it's 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 a good game. I like Watch Dogs well, people, a lot. Weirdly, people liked the characters in that game quite a bit. Oh, that game some, has so some many issues. Characters. And so then the, the the sequel to then just say, what if no characters is just a fascinating that I'm sure is, you know, these these games overlap. The development at Ubisoft is like, you know, uniquely um, mm -hmm. to them for the games they make. But I think it's it's just fascinating that like that's the hard pivot is like, look, we made a like the first game made such a big deal. It was Aiden Pierce, right? Well, that was the Aiden Pierce sucks so much. Um, yeah. He was terrible uh, in his fake Chicago that was not representative whatsoever of that city. Like, fucking finally, like, my city gets in a game and they just completely, just completely fuck it up. Um, but then the sequel to have such a character focus and the third one goes, well, I tried to do that through systems. I guess, Rob, like, like what was this, like, what, did, what were you allowed to do? Like, what was the setup for, like, um, you know, you interacting with the systems of the, what was, like, the objective that you were after? Uh, you had a ton of objectives to choose from. Uh, you could 
like work your district mission district missions to like liberate the district that you're in uh the the demo took place mostly in uh Southwark. um and then you had recruitment missions where you'd find like special high value recruits mm-hmm. who you couldn't just unlike the civvies on the street where you'd be like hey you want to join deadsec these people would require a little more coaxing but they would also bring special abilities uh, so, like, for instance, there was a spy uh, lady that I could recruit, but I had to go recruit her uh, and do a mission for her. It was dumb as hell. Uh, it was <laughs> like, walk up to this lady, and you you got a sassy AI companion. You So you don't have characters. You just have, um, what's the fucking dude in Portal 2? Um, the little robot. Glados? No, no, the little guy. Oh, the Stephen Merchant oh, oh, oh. character. But it's uh, something Lee. Lee. Wheatley. Yeah, there it is. Wheatley. Wheatley? Yeah. Wheatley. So you basically got Wheatley. Oh, that's an Wheatley AI your... guy? I thought that was a human. No, Wheatley was a robot. No, 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 no. In, in the... Watch Dogs. In Watch Dogs. It's a robot. It's a robot. Oh, it's an AI. Interesting. You can tell because when it talks, it's a glowing hologram that like shakes and flexes when it talks like it's like it's like it's a mouth. Like it's like a, a scene. Um, I gotcha. Like, yeah, like it's breathing. Yeah. Uh so it's very sassy. And it gives you, it, like, it's basically your main character, right? Is your character sort of asks it questions and then it sort of remarks upon what you're doing. And it's like, well, this spy uh, seems like she's got a bit of a gambling problem. We could probably leverage that to recruit her. So it makes no sense. You go up to her and say, hey, you want to join DeadSec? And she's like, nah, man, uh, I'm like super in debt with gambling money. Uh, but you should talk to my friend who's been like trying to help me out with this. So then you drive to point That's B. That's very forward. Her friend, we haven't even gotten there. Uh, oh boy. Her friend is like, yeah, she does have a gambling problem. It's crazy. It just kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, no. She's trying to pay off her bookie right now, and she's probably being held hostage by them. Oh. And I was like, literally, I left this woman 20 seconds ago. It took me like I drove around the corner to yeah. this friend. And I'm like, okay, I better go rescue her from her bookie, Clan Kelly. Um and See, I thought the whole idea was that like you would scan like like using the dead sec tech or whatever. It's like you would learn like using the invasive technology you would learn something about <laughs> them that, that led you to like identify they had a gambling problem. Not that you walk up to an NPC and like, hey, what's your issue? It's like, I got a gambling problem. Right. Right. Like well, the, the, the clip I just sent you was like, oh, there's a woman walking through a bar and she's using her phone and reading. Oh, this person let a pro union walkout. And and that yeah. means that she's good at at helping people get help gaining support with people. Oh, this person is a they he made he's a CEO of a popular line of armored clothing. And so he has plus 30 percent damage resistance while in cover. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's cool <laughs> fuck it so is that stuff just gone in, in, in no it's still there like okay. you can recruit so yes you have the similar like um you can scan everyone and see what they're all about but it's these special agent that like, these unique characters not unique because they're replaceable but like these right. higher value characters that you have to do like a little fetch quest for mm. so i had to go to this like loading dock where she's being held hostage lead her out of the loading dock because it's just like a little red area. It's like, oh, this is high security loading dock. And if you walk outside of it, she's been saved. So we did that. And then she was like, oh, you fucked it up. I was going undercover with Clan Kelly. I didn't really have a gambling problem. Anyway, I'll help you. And so now I had an agent. Um, Also, 
That's that's thin, let's say. Even <laughs> by my standards of not needing much to start generating my own narrative stuff, that's a little... Like, again, I'm the person who you've seen me play XCOM 2, you know how I feel about State of Decay. State of Decay gives you, like, three bullet points and two abilities, and I'm like, here's the entire... Here's Let me tell you about their lives. <laughs> let me tell you about what happened to them in third grade. So I, like... I, I'm I know I'm capable of making a system like this work, but what ends up being the problem is when they try to fill in the gaps too much, uh, and what they fill in those gaps with is flat and and doesn't justify what it sounds like. I'm because then you're going to send that person to go die for you, right? This person who didn't no, have probably a- get in the hospital or a prison. Okay, um, well that's all. Yeah. So but do they get rid of the permadeath stuff? It, used to be it sounds like people can like, still die, but there's okay. also a good chance they will end up in the hospital GTA style, or yeah. they will end up in jail, and then you can, like, rec- they are basically on cooldown until they're released, um, or they are, you can hire, you can, like, recruit a lawyer to help, like, bail people out. Okay. Um, speaking <laughs> of flatness, though, let's talk real quick about the premise, yeah. uh, which is that DeadSec was framed for a, like, Guy Fox type attack uh, but like literally the opening of this demo is you find people trying to blow up parliament and they're trying to frame dead sec because they put dead sec literature by each one of their bombs. Um, so like there's bombs God. all over parliament. This will fucking get them. You get, uh, you get in a big gun battle in the house president. of commons. Yeah. Um, you stop the bombing of parliament, but oh no, there's tons of bombs Black's all over the city. It's very, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that, that bit of fake, uh, trying to blame something on someone else. The blacks rule graffiti. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so you get, you, you foil the parliament bombing, but wait, it was a trick. They just needed to lure a dead sec agent out into the open so they could kill them. And then all these other bombs would go, dead sec would be framed. And that's how the authoritarian regime, like, cements its control of the city. Gotcha. But, skip forward, they're so unpopular that people just love DedSec. Oh my god, we miss DedSec! DedSec was so good! Oh, we hate these paramilitaries. We all hate them. Wait, then what's the problem? People are already, like, down. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, so all of London is like, oh, if only DedSec were here, this would be better. We we could stop these guys. And so that's why you can just go up to people and be like, yo, I'm with DedSec. And people are like, awesome, how can I help? So it is a, like, pervasive surveillance state where everybody is on your side and there's no sense of threat or vulnerability at all. Isn't that what like, a cop would say? Like, I'm with dead sec. This would be the easiest way to okay. arrest. Okay. Uh, so to set up my district liberation mission, uh, I had to go meet an informant. Ooh. And here's, here's where we meet. Here's what she's oh, saying. I'm excited. Uh, Oh, hi, are you with, um, how do I put this? Uh, Great. (laughs) Good. Uh, And then, basically, you just have a whole conversation where it's like, oh, it's it's cool. I'm with DedSec. Um... And then she, and then your informant is like, so I was doing a little hacking, and I discovered oh, no. where they've got all the surveillance capitalism. Uh, uh, she found it. Just you know, I have my morning coffee, doing a little hacking, you know, as one does. Oh, also this uh, this like punk getup she's wearing with the spiked hair and everything. Yeah, like this game's aesthetic is very much like 
man, Britpunk was awesome. And yeah. I'll bet those people would still be there in the near future. And they'd be on the cutting edge of like taking the man down. Uh. Uh, and so like all the people on the street you meet who are like, yeah, fuck the police. They're all like. <laughs> They look like they just stumbled out of a Billy Idol uh, concert through Great. a time machine. Like it's, it's a very uh, dated view of like here's the counterculture. Right. Well, they'll be happy to know that Thatcher died. So, congrats to them, I guess. <laughs> so, so yeah, you just go up to people and they're like, "Ooh, I better be. Ah, uh, I don't want to get caught. Uh, this is really dangerous for me." Are you with dead sec perchance? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yes, oh, I am not a cop. I am here's with my, dead sec. Here's my dead sec badge. Well, and we know that, uh, we don't know this, but here's my bet. I've played video games before. I've read stories. Um, Two thirds through this game, it's going to be revealed that, th- you know, one fifth of your agents have secretly been undercover spies. And, and it'll be randomized. All, you know what I mean? You got to do that bit. And that'll be how they like, oh, man, we got to really be more careful going forward. And I bet nothing actually changes. Yeah. It's all hypothetical. But that is the vibe I'm getting from what you're telling me. Uh, so <laughs> my called shot. The other thing is, man, how do you how do you break the control of this this chokehold? This surveillance uh, regime has that no on one lo- that no. OK, just like again, just to paint me the picture of this place. It sounds like from what you're saying, the people Love DeadSec, or yes. at least a huge amount of people do. They're ready to, to fight. Um, they're still able to like, go to the bar. They're still able to like go to their jobs. They're still able to like do like they're not living under. They're not like under curfew. Or are no, they under curfew? London's still sweet as hell. Like <laughs> I mean, it's like a big so mall. They're, so they're they're what I'm really getting at is their freedoms have not been restricted such that they couldn't organize or well. When I say cops are literally beating, sorry, the PMCs yeah, who uh-huh. occupied the city. Not cops. Uh, yeah, not cops. They're just beating the shit out of people. Like, you walk down the street, like anywhere, and there's probably a cop, like, giving a truncheon to somebody just for, like, looking at them wrong. And so... So they are police, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, <laughs> except they're doing it to the white people. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Different. So, like, yeah, like people in suits are getting clubbed. It's it's clearly tyranny. Um, but it, this so, is the thing: is if that was happening, this is why no one wants to. This is why white people in suits don't want to abolish the police because the police work for them. Yeah, that's the because the police don't do that to the white guys in suits. That's why they don't. like the cops. So then, why are they in charge still? Because of the false flag attack. That, that no one them. believes or cares about. But the government still does. They still have power. But, but we're the government. the government. Get them out. <laughs> Protest well, in the streets there's, now. There's no, no. Only no. DeadSec can handle this problem. There's clear, like probably elections are suspended. Who knows? Okay. Uh, but, but the people need to know that resistance is not futile. Resistance can like, they don't know their own strength. DeadSec much, te- right. much sure. teach the people they're, they're Which I'm here for. Honestly, rise. I'm here for. I, there's part of me that's like, this is going to be. Hold on. Oh, Before you fuck. say you're here for it, let's uh-huh. let's discuss the praxis of dead <laughs> Thank you for cutting me off. <laughs> so, you have to awaken the sleeping giant that is the people of London. So far, so good. Okay, so you got to do things like sabotage some dead, uh, some like surveillance infrastructure take out you know some of their sites um you also though have to like 
uh, subvert their powerful propaganda machine. So you have to go to like these giant, like there's one quest where you have to go to a giant poster that they got projected on the side of a building uh, advertising the Albion security force who are those like not cops, yeah. those bad police who are beating people up. Uh, but like if you could just do something to show that Albion uh, its strength has limits and resistance is real, uh, you can awaken the people. So you can paint over the sign and oh. you take this sign that says the world's finest for England showing a bunch of militarized cops and you can change it to you are not illegal and then like spray paint gas masks over those cops and put Got a em. dead sec logo on it. Right. This, this is like the equivalent of like going to a Best Buy with a universal remote and just turning off all the TVs <laughs> and being like, ha, I've solved capitalism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, the, the note here that I'll say is like that initial poster has like a, has like a good line in it, which is and like I get what they're going for here. Underneath where it says Albion Private Security, it says signing bonuses and citizenship sponsorship for immigrant applicants. And the idea of like, oh, you could be you could be a citizen. You just have to like be one of our secret police uh, is like, OK, yeah, let's go down that road. That's an interesting the ways in which the ways in which uh, the marginalized are offered uh, assimilate assimilation if you do the dirty work of empire. I'm here for it. I don't know that if DeadSec just spray painted you are not illegal over top, that would necessarily uh, that would necessarily m- move the move the the meter as much as they suspect. Well, Austin, it moves the meter. Uh, about oh, 30%. Meter. I see. Uh, defi- you get a defiance increased ah. uh, prompt when you do this because people see that sign and they're like, fuck, I'm not illegal. So uh, wait, what does it mean? What does it mean then to, because this is part of like the general, like sort of like open world infrastructure of, of that Ubisoft sort of established with the AC games. What does it mean to liberate a district? Like what meaningfully changes in the post liber? Like, I mean, is it just like, there's no survey like survey. I mean, I'm just like, how is that, how is that reflected materially in the game? Did you see any of that? I didn't see any Less evidence of things in the different. streets. No. Okay. I, I right, have, like, do they wall it off? Is it something like they try to do in Seattle where it's like, Hey, we just put up barriers and like, Hey, no allegiance or whatever those, the those not cops are called. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious, like how the game squares this idea that mechanically it wants you to liberate different districts but in a surveillance state like how would that even be refl- you know there's enough hashtag resistance in this area to <laughs> you know are you sh- in the previous watch House games it was like oh you've shut down their network here or right. you've you've gotten your back door in place so that you can if they you know say oh someone's here you can very easily flip the switch and they're not there anymore or they're whatever but this thing seems like it's more about the population's willingness to push back and yeah. outside of like, no, we run this zone. This is ours. It feels like that's not really what would be happening. I don't know. Right. Like if the yeah. people suddenly decided we're going to beat the shit out of the cops, the, the impression would like be that, well, the government's just going to ransack that particular area and it is no, it is no longer liberated. Well, and you can do uh, that game. That's a game that you, you could do the game that's like we're going to barricade in this zone and every now and then you're going to get a message that says our our zone is under attack. Can you come help us? Like that's a game that that's like three different games that came out in the PS2 era that use those yeah. sorts of like zone control takeover. Small, you know, uh, yeah. San Andreas did that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's possible to do that sort of stuff. Um, and not the barricading part, but the but the zone control that gets contested and blah blah blah. Uh, and and uh, but 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 you, the fact that you didn't come back saying oh and then you build the chop then you then you create an autonomous zone. No, it's just it done. seems like it's kind of flat. 
Yeah. Yeah. So when you do the quests to increase defiance to critical mass, that's why that conversation with the informant I uh, shared with you. So somebody shows up and is like, here's how we take down their big central base for this district. In this case, it was to blow up uh, like it looked like the shard uh, skyscraper, but it was full of like surveillance uh, servers. And you go in there and you blow it up. And then people are dancing in the streets and being like, yeah, dead suck down with Albion. And then you're sort of kicked back out to the world and it doesn't feel different. Like nothing. I, I kind of looked around. It didn't look like much was different. And I just kind of went on to the next missions or the next map markers. And I, right. this was the really frustrating thing, dude, is like. There's no like at no point was there any sense of threat or vulnerability in this world like you weren't. I felt more imperiled being Aiden Pierce back in Watch Dogs 1. Like, the city was a slightly more hostile place. This one, uh, you are basically completely at liberty. Uh, And the surveillance stuff is only there to help you, but it's all there to help you in really familiar ways. Um, So instead of climbing to an Overwatch point, you just point your phone at cameras that overlook the bases that you need to raid and you tag guys in the base yeah. and bounce from camera, get a full view. You can, like, the thing you do with your hacking powers, like, that I did more than anything else, was to stealthily take out guards by hacking, uh, like, transformer panels to blow up as the guards walked by them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's and, that stuff to me is, like, that's watchdogs. That stuff has been in both previous watchdogs. Yeah. That's, you have to buy that central conceit, otherwise... The, but their there was, fantasy world just doesn't work. But there's so little to it. Like, I mean, yeah. does it always have to be an electrical panel? Like, couldn't there be something else going sometimes on? It's in like the scene? A, it's, sometimes it's like there's a water hose or a gas main. <laughs> uh, what else happens? Uh, a robot. You can paint car. a tunnel on the side of a building. Yeah. And <laughs> they just run right into it and they yeah. bonk. Totally. Um, well, like, the thing for me is I think that stuff. In Watch Dogs 2, especially, where that game had such a playful attitude, it wasn't a an unserious uh, game in, in many in many moments. But it but it, it you're a bunch of young like DIY hacker punks in that game that actually feel connected to the youth culture uh, of when that game came out in a way that was shocking and surprising. Um, it felt like it that game vibes in like an '80s teen action comedy way where like yeah check this shit out i'm gonna uh, it's like blowing up the transformer next to the guy and, and zapping him is the same had the same energy as tying his shoelaces together and yeah. that was the attitude of that game but in a game that it, what it sounds like is in a game where they're going for a much darker premise uh you know watch Dogs 2 premise was like hey what if facebook too much what if facebook too much uh and they they were right <laughs> to be clear that game is about facebook trying to like throw the elections their way and and gain more control oh, over shit. privacy. That game is Watch sick. Dogs 2. Don't <laughs> listen. This is what I'm fucking saying. You should play Watch Dogs 2. You should play Watch Dogs 2 just Watch for the Dogs weird... Watch Dogs 2 warned us. Watch Dogs 2 knew ahead of time. Plus that one that one character has a cool mask. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but when the whole premise is so much more like, nah, dog, they won. It's bad. It's, it's We're in... We're in dystopia land all the way, flying drones, like everyone's information is completely, there are beatings in the streets. Then maybe it doesn't, it doesn't, it does feel a little more cartoonish out of place. It's so weird because Austin, I can't really write, like the premise is super dark. The premise is like everywhere is being watched 
uh, like the rule of law has basically been suspended uh, by and this. Aesthetically, like, really... it's playing in that space. That's the other thing. Yeah. I, I keep saying thematically, but really what I actually might mean more is aesthetically it's black and red. It's it's the sort of like the neon that's supposed to be this is this means you're oppressed neon and not the neon that means this is a cool party neon. Uh, like that's the vibe of this game from what I've seen. Yeah. But then when it comes to, like, you doing anything, everything is all affirmation. There's no, like, at no point did I ever feel right. like, I am in danger. Like, people are in, like, it just was kind of, it reminded me of, the thing about the Ubisoft model is really aggressive about always making sure that, like, whatever you do is fucking awesome. Like, yeah. there is no task, however trivial, that an Ubisoft game will not immediately will not immediately run up and high five you and be like, damn, you killed the shit out of those like three randos uh, who were like no threat whatsoever. That's awesome. We've never seen anyone who's that badass. Uh, you're incredible. Please lead us. And I think like Watch Dogs Legion feels like you like, oh, we're, we're leading this like David versus Goliath insurgency. But you're just the the guards are people you can just tie their shoes together um and it never it it never had any sort of it never had any sort of vibe it just felt like really familiar ubisoft stuff without any sort of um okay so here's this game needed some more uh ghost recon uh breakpoint mm. in it cuz like breakpoint has a lot of the same ubi shit but, like, it would also at least sometimes try to really pursue you aggressively and make you feel hunted and make you right. feel like, okay, the world is hostile. This feels like maybe the least hostile world of any Ubisoft game I've played in a while. And maybe they haven't fully built that up, right? Like, maybe the systems that, like, make the city reactive and aggressive and, and able to overpower you, maybe some of that stuff isn't fully there. Like, I was just driving out of cordons, no problem. Like, there was no meaningful pursuit. But this game badly needs that, right? Because I think to your point, Austin, one of the things that is implied by like you can recruit endless soldiers is that this fight you're in will require endless soldiers. That this is going to be like where one agent's quest right. ends in a hail of like gunfire, the next next agent takes it up. Right, that is like um, the demo that they first showed uh, when they first debuted this game was uh, a character who was trying to get something done, gets caught, gets gets shot down, and then you get a choice, which is let yourself be arrested or sent to the hospital or stand up, risk permadeath, and try to finish your mission. Um, and the thing that the dream version of this game is there would be circumstances where you would want to get up and risk permadeath because of because you're compelled to because of what the situation is because of how important that mission is and because you believe that someone else will pick up that work even if you lose this agent or whatever um but what you what you're describing does not really feel like that to, to no. me so much no and like i'm still curious I, obviously but yeah i i hope that it's just a kind of shallow easy demo of like here's what the general systems are and maybe it can be woven together uh, a little more effectively. Maybe there's like a hard mode where like the security stuff is way more aggressive and like there's more, there's less margin for error. Uh, because yeah, I think for me, like if there were an identity here that appeals, it's, and Austin, I think you and I tend to be on the same page. 
that sort of paranoid uh, techno espionage yeah. like vibe is our shit. That whole like, yes. I don't There's, know who to trust. I don't uh, know when I'm being watched. And I'm even here for like, it doesn't need to be the conversation. <laughs> like, no. I would love for the conversation game to exist. It wouldn't be a open world third person shooter. Um, uh, but the I, I am probably even more here for this game in my blood than this is probably more like my break point in some ways right which is like it's hitting certain notes for me because i'm just i have my my taste has been built this way over the last few decades um um but the that that and the proc gen stuff you know i'm like i'm interested in that stuff but at the same time I don't know that the thing I I want is like the Antifa Super Soldier game to to drain away all of the there there's a reason why we want an Antifa Super Soldier and it's because it's kind of like a fun fantasy. It's kind of like, oh well we know this isn't how this works. We know that what it takes is like on the ground organization and lots of people being hit with batons and you know suffering through tear gas and working against police who are working with white supremacists and there is not like the super agent to come forward and and save the day and on one hand this game is seems like it wants to take a step in that direction because of the no clear single protagonist thing but at the same time if the gameplay design is such that at all points you feel enabled to do super heroic shit then it's not actually finishing the sentence you know it's not it's it's ended at this comma splice and instead of going, you know, and change means change means you know uh, pushing up against against oppression and suffering, and that having cost, it, it ends a sentence by saying, and also if you get the spy, the spy gets a super a super cloak, and with the super cloak, don't worry, you'll never get arrested or whatever, and that that ends up that that feels like it deflates the fantasy a little bit for me. It feels like it deflates what draws me to the game. Um, so I don't know. Like I said. I'm still very curious about it. Yeah. I'm still curious if it actually comes out this year. Um, which is the is is like what where would it, yeah, where would it fit? You know, if if you're just trying to think like think about is it possible you, like, that they that we do this podcast and then we find out, oh, actually this game is coming out in August. Um, it, right, pop, and it's like is really it, close. Uh, that that seems like where it would need to be almost or next year. Yeah, I, but it would be if they're going to do it next year, I feel like they would have just let AC like the fact that they let Rob play it makes me think this game is like closer than further done and that it's that yeah. it's coming out um fairly soon um in a summer that you know Rob and I just did like a meeting like we're going over like we should talk about who has to review such stuff and it's like well yeah. actually there's just not that much you know like August is pretty clear you know August and September historically have been you know months where people have put in a lot of interesting stuff but i think next gen covid there's a lot of reasons why things are going to be quiet um, after like a July where they're like Paper Mario. There'll be like, there's a decent amount of stuff for the next week or two, mm-hmm. but then there's just not going to be a ton until like October, November where things really ramp up. And so I could see watchdogs sliding in to like a late August, early September, um, which would be a nice spot for it where it wouldn't have as much pressure to perform. It could be more yeah. just, you know, and I'm, you know, Maybe Ubisoft views it Watchdog to this point as like an interesting curiosity franchise where they, it doesn't need to, you know, have the same weight because AC is out here and Far Cry really are out here because Far Cry is also going to get revealed. So <laughs> when does that game come out? That game's right. probably next year. That's 2021. That has to be winter 2021, right? Or like next spring, like their yeah. March game. Yeah. Um, something like that. I, I the, the last thing I want to say about this game is I... I um. I spent a few weeks ago, it was probably a month ago, maybe, I think, when I was like, 
hey, uh, what's happened to Watch Dogs? Has, is, are they doing anything with Watch Dogs? And I went down the rabbit hole of looking at all of the promotional material for that game. And it's so telling. Maybe this is mostly telling about me, which is possible. That when you watch their world premiere trailers, their like play as anyone demo, their gameplay walkthrough, they have this entire series that's like the Classroom 101 video series. Everything is super aggressive, weird, punk. Like, not even punk. Uh, punk's the wrong word. Like jackass. Like again, prankstery. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, the, remember um, the, the grandma. That was like the, the, the grandma was yeah, of totally the, the marketing. And, and all of that stuff a year later feels bad. <laughs> um, it feels bad to look at. Like it's 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 the attitude just rings hollow. Everything feels false. Everything feels uh, both too big for its 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 britches and also too limited. Um, well, it seems the like one- if the game isn't going to lean into as much of the cartoony stuff as, e- even though the premise of this third one right. maybe betrays the ability to do that, if in Rob's experience, like, well, the actual like moment to moment of this game is not anywhere near the marketing material, um, right. it just creates a really weird tone piece for like what it's a comp, what, it, what like it's person, what it's like the game's ideological leanings are, and then right. how it's being like. I'll be curious to see. What like we're we're recording this before we know, but I'll be so curious to see what is the tone totally. of the trailer. Like, and we might not even say, talk about that this episode. That might be a thing right. we end up holding until the Friday episode this week because we already have Ghost of Tsushima. So we'll see. The video that worked for me is there's a video on the the Ubisoft uh, uh, account, a YouTube account called Watch Dogs Legion. First gameplay de- details and play as anyone explained. That is like a talking heads video. Not the band. That would be sick, actually. Uh, But don't do that to the talking heads, please. Uh, uh, Where it's like, it's Clint Hawking and Liz England and Kent Hudson and I think maybe one or two other people from that studio. Be like, here's what the mechanics are. Here is just, let me just talk to you as someone who's devoted my, like the last couple of years of my life to build this game. Let me talk to you about what I think makes this game interesting, how these systems work, what's intriguing about them. Um, And when I watched that video... And I end up thinking about this game more like, what if Ubisoft made a state of decay? What if Ubisoft made a zombie? I mean, Ubisoft didn't make zombie U. But, <laughs> you know, that scale of, what if we don't think about the Watch Dogs Legion as a big AAA, you know, powerhouse blockbuster game, even though that's clearly what Ubisoft would like it to be. And when I think about it more, it's like, what if you got these, like, gameplay designers who all wanted to do weird proc gen shit together and just made them make a game? I end up being a little softer on it when that's the presentation. And that's what makes me so curious about how they're going to present it at this event that already happened by the time you listen to this. Because if it's more of, especially right now, if they lean into the tone that they that they were leaning into when this game first got the first debuted, that's a real roll of the dice. It's a real roll of the dice if you can make your game about standing up to fascism and oppression right now feel legitimate. Um, uh, whereas if you made the game that's like, oh yeah, we wanted to fuck around with, with, uh, proc gen systems and also you can beat the shit out of authoritarians, there's something more genuine about it where it's like, yeah, we made the version of this we felt kind of comfortable with, but we were, there was some promote, there was some marketing material we were given Ah. where it included a message from, I think, Clint Hawking describing what the game is and hitting some talking points. And I'm not saying it was not bombastic. It was very restrained, very measured, but like one of the things that's made in that, in those talking points, one of the points that's made in those talking points is Clint says, you know, watchdogs Legion is about ordinary people coming together 
uh, to make the world a better place. And I think that's very resonant right now. And hey, you know, like, sure, leave it there. But also, like, even that might be a little too much because it's just I think there's there's actually two dimensions in which Watch Dogs is uh, it feels like it struggles a little bit. One is that event like the widespread unrest we are we are saying has literalized a lot of the dynamics that Ubisoft has been playing on for years. Yeah. And really made them feel a lot less fun and also really exposed sort of the hollowness of Ubisoft's treatment of them. Like, you know, now we see these things in practice in the real world and Ubisoft's history of depicting these things as like, well, you know, most cops are good. Oh, like paramilitaries in the streets killing looters. Uh, that's probably legit. Uh, we, you know, we want those guys out there doing that. Uh, love to have like a state sanctioned three percenter. Um, you know, like, so that's one dimension in which this is struggling. But I think the other thing is that maybe it's just because we work at Motherboard now, but like, I think even in the general awareness, people now know the degree to which we live in a surveilled state and how like pervasive it is and how like all seeing the government's eye, government's eyes are. Uh And I think it, I think one other aspect in which like, Watchdogs as a series maybe a little unfortunate is that their fantasy I think is going to read as really dated uh, even now because it's like oh man what if there were cameras everywhere that like you know could see what you're up to and it's like man I'm more afraid of my phone than I'm like afraid of CCTV cameras well now you know, that's the DLC isn't it isn't it? <laughs> it's because you, it. you be on that phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Is is just this notion of uh, it, it all feels very tame. And it all feels like four years ago, this is like, man, I'd be fucked up if the world was like this. And like, well, the world is like, isn't just like that, but it's actually significantly darker in ways we can all perceive. And Watch Dogs Legion is still like, this can be a fun sandbox. Right. Like this can be chill. Let's hang out and over, overthrow some authoritarians. Right. And it's a tough moment for that sort of like light treatment. Right. Right. We'll see. We'll see. I, I almost, I almost had the date that was on my screen from watching an old trailer just now, which was March of this year. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if this game had come out in March? Uh, that would have been great, actually, right? You just sort of slide in. It would have been like sliding into home plate where it's like people are like, is COVID going to be bad? I don't know. Probably not. Time to ignore it. And like <laughs> you just buy, you play Watch Dogs and like, man, what if cops were bad? All of the Can't bad even. tweets about how Kojima predicted COVID would be just about Clint Hawking predicting oh. uh, the protests. It'd be, it would be, it'd be bad. Those are bad tweets, just by the way. And just in case people want to make them, those aren't good tweets. Um... <laughs> Want to be clear. Well, now that we're in the tweet shaming uh, portion of the show, we probably want to wrap it. Yeah, it's probably about as far as we can take Other, this. Otherwise, one. we can talk about the Harper's letter. Nope, we're it's good. <laughs> you want to talk about? You want to talk about Woj uh, saying "fuck you" to Senator Hawley? We can do that Ooh. instead. Nope, we're not. Gonna, nope, stop. Wow, uh-huh, stop. that's just a tease. That's just what's that? That's just a tease for what's out there in the world. <laughs> God, I got a, I got a, I got an email just now called "Keeping Joy Alive" from someone here at the Vice Media. Uh, uh, industry uh, company, so maybe we should. Yeah, we should just close up. I don't. I don't. I. I can't. On that subject about. line, I knew who it was. Uh huh. That's how it goes sometimes. I hope everyone has a good uh, week. We'll be back later this week to talk about some additional stuff. Uh, I, I hope everyone enjoyed the 
ridiculously long uh, Last of Us spoiler cast <laughs> that came out over the last few days, I believe is the plan, um, which is very funny to me. Uh, and and Fascinating. <laughs> we'll be back on Friday with more How probably. Happen? Talk you guys about- suck. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not, well, you know, I like a long podcast too. Listen, we went long today. This happens. We'll be back on Friday to talk probably about that Ubisoft event and probably some additional things. So stay tuned for that. I hope that everyone uh, has a safe week uh, as as things continue to try to open up across this country. Please stay safe. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Where can people find you on the internet? Kado, who was very quiet this segment. Uh, at A underscore Kado underscore appears. I don't Patrick, uh-huh. play AC game. I mean, I, like, played one, I played one and two, and then I hopped off. I'm, that was it. That was the moment <laughs> that's to get the, off. Oh, Brotherhood yeah. was good. Brotherhood was Brotherhood really good. Brotherhood was good. Brotherhood was good. I, that's part uh, of the extended two family, right? Like the whole ACO yes, arc. Yeah, the trilogy. The arc is the trilogy, yeah. Brotherhood and Revelations. Revelations is where I hopped off. Yeah, um, that's not true. I played three, but I didn't play. I didn't play Revelations. Like that's too much for me. That's that's too many things <laughs> in, in a row. Anyway, Patrick at Patrick Lubbock. Rob, what if Assassin's Creed, but too much? Ubisoft's catalog for the last decade. Uh, <laughs> and you can find me at Austin underscore Walker. Follow everything we do. Twitter.com slash waypoint waypoint.vice.com. I don't have anything else. I'm. It's hot. I got to turn this air conditioner back on. I'm melting here. It's raining and it's so humid in my room that it feels like it's raining in my room. So Amazon has delayed its <laughs> upcoming MMO, New World, to 2021. God, Amazon, what a fucking company. We didn't even talk about. Cru- I played Crucible. Was that what that game was called? Crucible. Yeah. For like the a game I played that it, they unreleased. They unreleased that game. That game <laughs> needed to be unreleased and worked on some more. Good luck to them. <laughs> that game was not where it needed to be. Uh, we're going to end this podcast before more news yep. hits. Did no so, justice to Arthur Miller. What was that? What? Nothing. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. Go to hell, Rob. Also, fuck off to capitalism. <laughs> and go home. <laughs>
can we pause for a second? My when I tried to put in my other AirPod, it like tried to sync it with my laptop and stop my recording. <laughs> yeah. Because my other AirPod was flying. So we're gonna have to we're gonna do another time sync because um, my recording just stopped. Yep. Um, you know. Who I don't know why that AirPod decided sure it wanted sync. to go to the. What? Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Patrick is desynced. What can I say? Um. So I'm gonna export this, and, or good. I'll just start a new um recording. We're, we should just keep going on ours, though, Kato, right? Yeah, yeah, just clap okay. again, and it'll be fine. Yep. Did anyone ever read the uh, Old Guard comic? I, I didn't. I'm curious about it. it. I've this, had that yeah. in my hand like five times. It's I, Greg I, Rucka, right? I think that's right. As soon as I saw it, I, I, as soon as I saw the Netflix thing, I was like, oh, I wonder if Rob is an Old Guard person. Uh, mostly because I know that you're an order person and there's some overlap yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it made me think, oh, I wonder if this is a Rob thing. All right, I'm ready. All right, let's All right, go to time. time that is. Dot is. So uh, 25 seconds. 25. All right. Quick snap. That yeah, was really that's, good. That's, that's, that's the fastest turnaround we've done it. That's pretty good. That's how we, uh, that's how we, how we push this, this defense back on its back heels. You know, they're not ready for that quick snap. <laughs> Hurry up, like, offense! Uh, is going to do for us. Uh, this, God, this stop it! Don't even just. We can't do we this. Don't, we cannot go down this road. See, the Good problem luck, actually, the, the problem we made with Mitch is we gave him too much oh time to think. We just need a faster tempo offense, like you know, go uh, on one count, like one one thousand and pass. Unbelievable! <laughs> All right. So, we just played 500. What was that game? What was that game where you just throw it in the air? And then... <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's fine. We're back. Back You're at back. it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, kind of dazed. All right. <clears throat> Whoa. Yes. Oh, my God. Your camera... What? Is like a full wrong with it? four Should seconds it? behind Hello. your voice. It's okay. wild. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, my internet, like I've got Comcast coming here this weekend uh, because my internet is just totally fucked. No oh, um, shit. That sucks. So, although actually, you know what? Let me try something real quick. Oh, oh that's always that's always a good sign. A good sign. <laughs> Let's try something real quick, Rob. That's just Rob's mo. Like put it on his gravestone. Let's just try something real quick. I'm canceling an upload. That's all I'm doing. That's probably why the oh, thing makes was slow. Yeah, that would make uh, sense. But the upload is taking way too long because my internet has been really shaky. So we will see uh, if this works now. Um, maybe it will. Maybe I like your I like your haircut, Patrick. I got it real short because you got it real short. Uh, I didn't want to go back and get another haircut, so yeah, I was like, just just you. fucking go for it. Just get it all off of there. I <laughs> bought the nice, like, professional-grade trimmers. Yeah. Uh, I finally was like, I am not going to a barber for a year. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. That's just not yeah. going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so uh, instead, I was like, I'll bring the barber to me, uh-huh. and I'm the barber. Right. Yeah. I have this. I will I be the barber. Z- yeah. Uh-huh. And, it was, and Patrick, you'll be proud. I did some research. I looked at a lot of different yeah. like, men's uh, like mm-hmm. fashion sites and health sites about like what's the best trimmers, what do professionals like agree is the best. Uh, there's and a lot of Kirkland. consensus. And the thing they all agree is that like these trimmers are kind of a lot if you don't know what you're doing. And like the yeah. like civilian models like give you a little more safety measures and like guards to keep you from making bad mistakes. But I'm okay. confident that like 
that sort of inauthentic baby tear uh, like hair trimming, that's not for me. No, of course not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to like I'm going to go to some YouTubes. Yeah, and I'm going to uh, figure out how to be like a barber, and then I can use these barber trimmers that you already bought. Yeah. Do you think they learned on those, or do you think they learned on something else, and then? I think they. Uh, I think they learned on them. I'm confident. I see. That, I like, see. this is, yeah, this is, like, you don't get bad habits from your trimmers. Like, you might as well just, like, start using the real instrument. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't learn guitar in a rock band guitar. You gotta get a guitar. I think this is more like not allowing yourself to use a bridge for a guitar. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. You, you know people can use those. Yeah. People who do this professionally sometimes use a bridge. Yeah, okay. but like important that you don't need need to. Right, right. At that point, why get clippers at all? Why not just get scissors and just really? This just is a, you know what a straight manual. razor. Right, get a straight razor. She get just a straight razor. Yeah. yeah, and just a bowl of hot water and a mm, towel. See, now you're talking. It. And that now is you're it. talking. A bar of soap. Maybe. Maybe. A luxury. <laughs> Damn, I need to send these back. I need to, like, excuse me. Can you send this back with uh, like a four inch straight razor and like a leather strop? God. Um, is Patrick fading in and out? because uh, yes. his internet's shaking. Patrick. Oh, he left. had to go. I said one sack. <laughs> Uh, we'll give you more time so to watch you Sackberg Castle. So are we? There's not going to be a different Ubisoft segment recorded until. Oh right, I guess that's true. Right, like, it's just this because Monday is just right. going to be ghosts. And so, this, yeah, and then, and then those two. Yes, Monday will be right. All we're recording Monday is ghosts. Is ghosts right? Correct. And you leave ghost, open the possibility. Single that, like, ghost. <laughs> if like Ubi's going to introduce Far Cry Six that week, right. so it might be worth just saying, like, "Hey, as you saw, uh, <laughs> they're making a Latin American country great again." Yeah. It's funny because uh-huh. uh, obviously we associate that with American right wing nativist fascism. Uh-huh. But what if it were in Cuba? Wouldn't Come that on. be bad? It won't be in Cuba. It will be in a, a, an it's island. Yara. That, yeah. Is this is this, this is actual. Yeah. I mean, this is the screenshots that people were posting of the oh, like PS, PlayStation. There was an English Store version stuff that leaked. That leaked. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yara torn apart. Fight against Anton's okay. troops in the largest Far Cry playground to date across jungles, the largest beaches, one. and Esperanza, the Finally, capital city lar- of Yara. Oh, okay. <laughs> Guerrilla firepower employ makeshift weapons, vehicles, and amigos. The new fangs for hire oh. it's so uh-huh. funny. to burn it's the tyrannical so regime funny. to the ground. Oh, I want to deploy amigos. I can't I wait to just deploy have my amigos. amigos. We're under heavy fire. I need amigo support <laughs> ASAP. Uh, wait, give me those I amigos. I said amigos, not amigos. <laughs> Uh, uh, actually, if, if, if Migos was here, yeah, that would be ideal. <laughs> God. Where's Quavo? <laughs> uh. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, we'll fucking see. I have no, I have no, I have no expectations for that thing. 
good, great, good. I had not seen Dia make that exact joke. Perfect. It's very good. Oh, perfect. That's them. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hey. 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 Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait until, like, the opening of the game is, like, you're part of a good Bay of Pigs operation, but it goes bad. And then you gotta, like... Well, I mean, this is the bet, right? The bet here to make is whether or not he, the the big villain this time, is going to be a socialist dictator or a corrupt American crony, right? Like that is, mm-hmm. it's going to go one of those two ways, or it won't. Maybe it'll go, it'll go like super vague politics, clearly authoritarian, but no actual idea as to. I, maybe maybe it'll go the the model. God, what was it? I guess it was was the Far Cry 4 version of it was the one where it was like, well, he's he wants to bring sort of global uh, uh, authority to the place that you're at, but he's not just a pushover, but also we're not going to get into actually how he, what his policy work is. <laughs> we're just going to say he's kind of a baddie, but he's a baddie for every. No one likes him at all. Uh, there's no, he has no real allies. Uh, maybe that's how they'll go with it, you know? Anyway, that game is definitely going to start with bad and bougie playing. (laughs) This is my called shot. Oh, fuck. Yeah. At the very very least, the first amigo that you can uh, recruit will have that, like, playing. We'll have that playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I just think it's in the same way that Far Cry 3 opens on Paper Planes, even though Paper Planes had been out right. for years. Right. I feel like now Bad and Bougie is that version <laughs> of that. I just, well, I, the thing is, I know that we're a month out from outdoor seating happening, and it's just going to be torture every time I go outside because I know I'm not ready for it. Wait, I'm not ready for outdoor out. seating. It hasn't happened I'm, in your... <laughs> oh, is it happening near you? It hasn't yeah. happened near me yet. All Not where I walk whatever. anywhere. Ugh. If you've ever been... I don't know if you've Ugh. ever happened to be in on Vanderbilt down here near the park. Yeah, yeah. The stretch uh-huh. that has all those restaurants, all of them, yeah. all of them have all blocked the off outsides. the Fuck. the fucking parking lot, the parking spaces in front of their places with, like, outdoor oh, seating. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I live near a couple of places that traditionally have outdoor seating, and none of them have opened up that yet. Interesting. Have opened that up yet. So that's why I'm, I didn't realize that it hit other parts of the city as, as I think heavily. that was part of, like what they allowed in like phase one or whatever was that makes like sense. Yeah. distanced outdoor seating and like I'm just curious, though, every place like, in, in, around here like did it <laughs> i'm just curious what to what degree this sticks though like we are reopening but also yeah. like everywhere else in the country is getting bad so like for how long does it not get worse here here yeah so that they have to shut things back down because yeah. that seems like the trajectory we're on it sure does uh, and I don't fucking know. Still buzzing. I still never caught up on Dark, which I know is like not horror. That's, it's more um, yeah, but sci-fi. Everyone, every, and everyone loves it. I haven't watched it. Either. I loved the first season. And then then there was such a long gap in between season mm-hmm. one and season two, like two plus years. Um, and they just put out season three and finished it. Yeah, I was going to say it's the last one, right? Um, but I've heard you need like a fucking flow chart because without yeah. getting into you know, specifics like there are just, there's a reason it's, you need a flow chart. Um, 
you know, there is some uh, time shenanigans involved um, that, that forces you to like to explain how that works. It would be to explain like a great trick that is revealed early on. But okay. I, I definitely highly recommend. Um, can I get a uh, can I get a recommendation? Can I get a show recommendation? Just in general? You, just in general. No, I have like a specific request. And maybe this is more even of a Rob Zachney thing, so he's not mm, here. But sure. Patrick, your your expertise would actually I, I think is is the space. I think I think maybe Matt and Cotter, you both maybe have some of this some some touchstones here. Here's what I'm looking for. Uh-huh. You know bad TV procedurals. Yeah. <laughs> like the the law and order model. Sure. You know bad TV procedurals that then add a little twist to it and they go, my favorite is almost human, the one that's like, what if law and order but cyberpunk? What yeah. if, or they do like, you know, there's a bunch of these. What I, and you know, there's a, there's a subset of these that are supernatural or occult investigations. X-Files, Literally called the, supernatural. But yeah. also supernatural, <laughs> grim, sleepy yep. hollow. There's a bunch of mm-hmm. these. I want the version of Sleepy Hollow. So Sleepy Hollow is the one that has like a time, tr- like uh, the, the guy, Ichabod Crane, I think, comes People forward in time. said that show was like genuine, it was like on Fox or whatever, right? It was like, all right. It had some moments. It was well, fine. Well, it was like very much like, this should be shit. And it was like, ah, this is okay. This is yeah, pretty good yeah. junk food. That was, that was, it was junk food. What I want is the version of it that takes place in, d- during the American Revolution era, instead of the one that takes place <laughs> during that. I, I uh-huh. want, I want trashy, or not even necessarily trashy, but like, but like you know, supernatural um, procedural mystery show. I want the X Files, but it takes place in the 1700s. <laughs> Man, that'd be or really something. Good. And I don't know why no one's made that. Or if they have, and I don't want to know what it is. I want. To, I need that recommendation. I want the Dresden Files, but it's <laughs> was it there Ripper uh, Street? You know what I mean? There was like a WGN show about witches. I think. Hmm. That was something like that, I think. <laughs> Just Googling X-Files in olden times. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. I want the, like, you come into the town and there's a weird werewolf. I want the Witcher. I want the, maybe what I want is the Witcher. Maybe I should just watch the Witcher. But I want uh, the Witcher yeah. or, uh, mm. That's, a uh, my girlfriend but I want watches more recent. all of these. So I will ask her that question. Yeah. She will I want, she like, will gothic know. horror. Do you know what I mean? I want, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, like... That, you know, shitty, you know, uh, uh, overrun cities, the, the plague. Like, I want that that middle, like, post-Witcher, pre, pre-cell phones. <laughs> okay. Pre-phones, actually. Pre, I want Deadwood, but Deadwood had a werewolf. Yeah, like supernatural renaissance, right? Procedural anywhere, like anywhere, anywhere in the early modern period, right? Like basically okay. uh, early modern to the beginning of modernity, anywhere in that four hundred year period. The, I'm putting that out in the world. Someone can can can. can well, it's not a lot. It's weird. There's not a lot of historical, uh, right? Like, despite for, that being like such um, a really specific uh, framework, there's just not much of that. It's the 1950s, but the setup for Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country is basically oh. like it's a it's a procedural, but huh. told from the perspective of black characters. Right? In is that out? The American out? 1950s. No, August. August. I think. August. Yeah. August. The book is really good. I need to get to the book. I've heard. I've heard the book is really good. So, all right. We should do a time about is. I should turn off this air conditioner. This this sci dot com article. Uh, um. Uh, 13 supernatural TV series that lovingly ripped off the X-Files. You know, it's got all the, you know, ones you would normally hear. Millennium, Warehouse 13, yada, yada. And then at the very bottom, they list um, X-Files season 8 to 9. The X-Files, but with new agents. <laughs> God. <laughs> that brief period when they both left. Oh, that's good. Oh. Hey, that, 
Underrated. Underrated uh, uh-huh. uh, period of the X-Files, actually, because it was basically like a spinoff show, and the, some of the core writing of the stories actually got, got stronger in some ways. Hmm. That's interesting. No. Yeah. All anyway, right. Time dot is. Also, the new Unsolved Mysteries is, is pretty good. I watched I've heard the first it's episode. Good. I've heard it's, it's like, like actually centers like the. Tron. It's like there's a couple of like supernaturally ones. I've only mm-hmm. watched the first one, but the first one is like, no, it's just like here's a bunch of people dealing with the trauma of like losing someone and how much that would be horrible to not know what happened to them and like mm-hmm. centers the families in the storytelling. It's actually like surprisingly nuanced <laughs> for the Compared show. Compared to... And I yeah. fucking loved Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, me too. Kid, I, I was just telling someone like that was the show I was most scared of but could never yeah. pull myself away from as a kid. I got to the end kid. of this first episode which has no supernatural components yeah. whatsoever and yet was like nervous when when the music played. It was just like yeah. enough to like bring back all of the ghost <laughs> stories uh, that I used to watch late at night on, show on that show. Wild, yeah. All right. Um, let's do a clap at. Uh, let's do. Let's do four seconds. All right. All right. Ghost of Tsushima could be the name of a. Unsolved Mysteries episode well, yeah, from the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> Robert Stack. Could please yeah, someone get a Robert, Robert Stack oh to do? He's got a Robert Stack imitator out there. You know, R.I.P. Robert Stack. But oh, yeah, come on, give me a to, to do the setup for Ghost of Tsushima. Please, a noble samurai. I just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I just want Robert Stack, but reading IMDb setups. Please, you know, like, oh, you know, put. I, we have to resurrect Robert Stack and get him a cameo. <laughs> um, all right. 